one at a time since 1988. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number for you, 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that we have there for you. Uh, They are completely free. You actually get to control the content of the site, should you like, or of course you can just go and look at it. But if you would like, you can uh, find something online that you think is interesting and share it with our other listeners by the uh, show prep feature of our site, which is the main uh, attraction, in that uh, if you find something online that you think is interesting, you just simply submit it as show prep and then it will pop up on the site, and it can be anything that you like. It could be something fun, it could be something serious, whatever. A news article, YouTube video, blog post. You submit it, it pops up on the site, other people can vote for it at that point, and the most voted up will make it to the front page and the top of the site, thereby increasing the amount of people that get to see it. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out here tonight with an interview that I really wish I didn't have to do. Um, But unfortunately, the Liberty Dollar situation is just awful, Uh, what has been happening with Bernard von Nothaus. And when I say I don't want to have to do it, that doesn't mean I don't want to talk to you, Bernard. I always enjoy uh, talking with you. It's the subject matter that is disturbing to me. Uh, Bernard von Nothaus joining us for uh, the first time in seems like a little while. Uh, Good evening, sir. It's a real pleasure, Ian, to be here with you. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you on the program, and uh, maybe one of the last times we'll ever hear from you. Hopefully not, though, uh, because we're the reason we're having you on tonight is to uh, hopefully prevent you from having to spend an excessive amount of time in a cage. Uh, just to bring our listeners up to speed, l- let me see if I can just run through a recap here, uh, Bernard, of what has transpired in the last uh, four or five years, and uh, you can correct me if I get something wrong. Okay. So it was, I believe, 2007 when the federal government came to the offices of the Liberty Dollar, which was at the time, probably still is the, the case, that it was the most popular alternative currency, value-backed currency uh, in this country with a few million dollars, several million dollars in, uh, in circulation out there. They came to your offices. They raided the offices. Uh, they, they raided the vault. They raided the, uh, the mint. They took millions of dollars worth of gold and silver and I think some, uh, some copper and probably some platinum as well. Uh, they took a bunch of, uh, of hard metals. They took all your computers. They took your office supplies. They arrested uh, your employees. They ended up arresting you down the line as well and uh, charging you with counterfeiting, among other things. And for anyone that's listened to the show for a while, they've heard you on before. They know that I was a, a Liberty Dollar associate at that uh, at that time. I'm a, definitely a supporter of the Liberty Dollar, always have been a, a fan. And uh, they just destroyed the business. I mean, they knew exactly what they were doing. And they must have known that the Liberty Dollar wasn't a counterfeit product because it's you know, it had an 800 number on it. It had a website on it. Uh, I mean, clearly it wasn't attempting to masquerade in any way, shape, or form as the U.S. government's own currency. In fact, you, your marketing campaign with the Liberty Dollar was always surrounding the idea that this is not the Federal Reserve's currency, that this is real money, that it's real silver that's backing this, or in some cases actual silver in the case of the uh, the Liberty Dollar silver pieces. 
So, you know, it seemed pretty, it really seemed clear to me that this was not intended to be a counterfeit product or try to confuse people uh, into thinking it was U.S. US currency. But that's what they came after you with. And, you know, years later, because the wheels of justice turn real slowly, a jury of your so-called peers decided to convict you on this charge, which is outrageous. And now you're facing sentencing of, I believe, up to 25 years in prison, all because you gave the federal government a run for their money. Well, that was a good uh, summation. Um, There's a a couple little tweaks I could make, but uh, just to fine-tune the last one there, Ian, is that I'm now facing 22 years in prison. Only 22. Oh, only 22. Well, that's a relief. (laughs) God. And, and at my age, that means I'd get out when I'm 90. Oh. Yeah. So basically, that's a, that's a death sentence. That's a uh, life sentence, you know. It's horrible. Right, right. It, it is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. There are some bright spots along the way. Tell me about them, because I need to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the bright spot is, the fact is that um, my dad had an old, saying that the more you stir shit, the more it stinks. Oh, my God. You know what? We uh, can't let you say that on the radio, and I didn't even have my uh, dump panel uh, brought up. So uh, hopefully my uh, board operator was able to grab that. I didn't even think to uh, to bring that up here. I think he did get it. So thank uh, thank goodness. we got to remind you, uh, Bernard, we are on uh, national radio stations, and most, right. of, uh, most of the time we're going to drop a call that uh, says something like that. Uh, so if you could, if you could rephrase... Uh, in a more radio-friendly manner, then uh, our listeners will be able to hear what you have to say. Sure. The more you stir manure, the more it stinks. There you go. Okay. In any case, in this particular case, uh, exactly uh, kind of the opposite. The more the government stirs the Liberty Dollar, the more publicity it generates for the Liberty Dollar. That much is true, but uh, unfortunately they've taken out your entire operation, so the publicity doesn't, you know, can't result in new orders or anything like that at this point, right? No, no, we're definitely not in a growth mode. There's no doubt about that. Although we are in a growth mode in terms of publicizing the values of a value-based currency and of collecting more supporters, I would dare say, and a couple of people have pointed this out to me, that there are more people supporting the Liberty Dollar now than what there were. And I think part of it has to do with our steadfast stand for our beliefs and the fact that, um, you know, more waters under the bridge here. We're farther down the slippery row. Uh, there's more manure, if you might say. And... Um, the reality is is that there's an awful lot of people who did not support the Liberty Dollar, Ian, uh, as much as you did. As a matter of fact, there were a lot of people sitting on the sidelines with their head in a dark place. Mm-hmm. And um, those people have actually come across and written articles and um, become bigger supporters. So if anything has happened other than my loss of freedom and facing years in prison, uh, that the trial has generated congealing, if you would. Generated what? I'm sorry. You cut out for just a quick moment there, Bernard. Oh, I just, uh, the Liberty Dollar trial has actually been a congealing um, effect 
on on people's opinion. So people have taken a stronger position about Liberty Dollar simply because of the heavy-handed uh, draconian measures that the, that the government has taken. No doubt about it. I remember after your conviction, the, uh, the government prosecutors were basically saying that the Liberty Dollar has become contraband. And I remember we made a point at a, uh, I think it was the at the Tenth Amendment Center was putting on the Nullify Now conferences, and we were at one of those Nullify Now conferences. Mark Edge, our co-host, who's unfortunately not able to be here tonight, uh, he was uh, being the, I guess, the MC for the conference, and he brought me up to relate the news about your conviction and talk about this idea that the Liberty Dollar was. Uh, contraband, and we made a point of doing a transaction on stage in front of the couple hundred people with the Liberty uh-huh. Dollar, just to just to you know rub it in their face, like look, you know, haha, this is contraband now, and we're just going to use it right out in the open. In fact, I auctioned it off uh, to the highest bidder at that uh, that moment in time. So uh, so I think you're right. I think people are likely to become more hardcore toward liberty and alternative currencies and you know value backed currency as a result of what's happening to this. And I'm I'm glad to see you're. Looking Looking on the bright side of all this, especially considering you're facing 22 years in a cage, and it was uh, your fellow man who decided to uh, to find you guilty and, and put you there. Well, it's just so sad. Well, I don't know if I would say my fellow man because I I, think, I don't think too highly of the jury. Right. Uh, um, baboons might be uh, an apt description, but baboons are pretty smart. Mm. Uh, maybe snails or something <laughs> or other. Bernard, uh, uh, can you stick with us for another segment? I, I want to talk more about what's coming next for you, sentencing, and how our I listeners... I warmed up yet. Right, good. All right, so stick with us here. More uh, with uh, Bernard von Nothaus. He is the original, the guy behind the Liberty Dollar. They took out his operation because, well, he was making a difference, obviously. 855-450-FREE, now facing 22 years in prison for minting an alternative to the federal government's money. More coming up, Free Talk Live. Americans are losing their wealth. People are rioting in the streets. For years, the American people have ignored the assaults on our liberty. The book in plain sight, The Disregarded Truth, not only reveals the truth and the deceptive tactics that have caused the decline of our liberty, but also identifies and explains how we, the American people, can restart what was once a free America. It's time to wake up, protect our liberty, and return the government back to its proper role. It's time to know the truth. Order in plain sight. The Disregarded Truth today at Amazon.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything that you want. Dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. Though, if you have a question for Bernard von Nothaus of the Liberty Dollar, the monetary architect behind the Liberty Dollar, the creator of it, uh, he is here with us tonight to update us on what's going on with his uh, case, or rather the federal government's case that they're forcing upon him, and the fact that he's facing 22 years in federal prison because he created a successful alternative currency, one that resulted in millions of uh, of silver pieces being circulated and also the dollars as well, the uh, the warehouse receipts, which uh, Derek J, by the way, joining us this evening, uh, just back in from Saving the World. Uh, good evening, uh, Derek J. <laughs> Great evening. Good to be with you. Have you now, I, you're, I don't know how new you are to the Liberty Movement, uh, Derek, because you're, rel- you're a little younger than I am, and I don't know how familiar you are with the Liberty Dollar. I am familiar with the Liberty Dollar. I remember hearing the big news uh, when the storage places were raided. Okay. And, uh, I did see the video of you uh, transacting the 
now illegal currency uh, yes. uh, live. Contraband. Yeah. And so I am familiar with this. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, so they've had the warehouse receipts, which were the the uh, the, the pieces of paper uh, that were way more advanced than the U.S. dollar, and they had cooler counter, you know, anti counterfeiting uh, th- features, and it was really such a cool thing, and that's why I was on board with uh, with the idea of just trying to introduce people to the ideas of alternative currencies. And one thing's for sure, the Liberty Dollar was very successful, and that was its main mission was to you know basically destroy the Fed. Through competing, I mean, essentially, it's an agorist uh, enterprise. Well, I, I think it's so successful. I predict that it will be successful as time goes on, despite uh, Bernard von Nuthaus unfortunately not being around to keep producing them. Well, hopefully, he will be around uh, because one of the purposes of having him on the show, and he's back with us here, uh, actually calling in from California tonight. Uh, is to talk about sentencing because that has yet to occur. So he's been found guilty by a jury on so-called counterfeiting charges uh, and is facing up to 22 years in prison. Uh, Bernard, is there a minimum, like a, a mandatory minimum here that you'll, you're facing? Or could it be that this, you know, this judge could say, time served, you're free, uh, you know, probation or something like that? Well, I, I never served any time except for the five days that they, when they said I violated the terms of my appearance bond. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, that'd be five days served. Um, but the other thing is, is that there isn't any minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judge has free reign to sentence me to almost anything from, well, maybe I might get six months probation. Maybe that would be the minimum. Uh, but, you know, the judge... The federal judges have been released from mandatory sentencing, uh, oh, about eight years ago or so. Really? So before that, the judge had to sentence you, regardless of the circumstances, to whatever was recommended on the guidelines. And so now the guidelines is 22 years. So the judge uh, can make it anything, probably six months to 22 years. So what the idea is here tonight, besides just updating our listeners on your case and maybe introducing some of our new listeners to the Liberty Dollar and to what's happened to you, uh, is to encourage our listeners to uh, who you know are familiar with you, familiar with the Liberty Dollar, to write to this judge and to essentially write in your favor and say, hey, go easy on this guy. Uh, you would send an email out to your email list, and of which I am uh, one of the recipients, and uh, basically asking for this and, you know, giving some parameters and some suggestions as to what to, uh, you know, how to approach it. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure you had a chance to get that out to our, our audience here tonight, Bernard. What, to, what can people do to help? Well, the best thing that people can do, there's actually two things they can do. The very best thing is to write a respectful letter to the judge. Uh, in this day and age, we hear a lot of bad things about court. Uh, I don't have any bones to pick with a judge. I think he was fair and impartial. I think the jury erred seriously in convicting me. So a brief, respectful letter to the judge urging him to either dismiss the case, which is still a possibility, or to sentence me to no prison time would be greatly appreciated. And the letter need not be very long. It has to do with... Bernard? Oh no! I think we might have uh, we might have lost him. Uh, and the oh, other okay. thing, Bernard, Bernard, you be... said uh, you said the letter doesn't need to be very long. It has to do with, and then your phone cut out for several seconds. Can you start over there? 
I'm up here in the mountains, so and I'm on a landline, so I don't know what's happening. It could here, be me. It uh, could be uh, our voice over IP lines here. So uh, go ahead and give that another shot. Okay. So what did you? What do you think you missed? Uh, you said that it doesn't have to be very long, and then pretty much got cut off after that. Okay. Yeah. The letter does not have to be very long. Uh, brief would be good. Uh, it has nothing to do with how long the letters are. It has to do with the volume of letters that the judge gets. So we need to have a lot of letters. Got it. Which is the second thing that I would encourage people to do, and that is not only to write the judge a respectful letter, but also to share the uh, the letter writing campaign, for lack of a better phrase, uh, with their friends and uh, their email list and any blogs where it might fit mm-hmm. to encourage people to write a letter. I mean, if people are up in arms about what the government is doing or they're not dissatisfied, ooh, wow, that's 91% of the population. Uh, that might be a little too many letters, uh, but there is no such thing as too many letters. Uh, the judge really needs to hear from the populace to find out uh, how many people are really upset with what is happening uh, with our money and, of course, uh, what's wrong with sentencing me to 22 years to prison. Yeah, uh, Bernard, where can folks get the name and address to send the letters? I actually have uh, have the solution to that. I've just posted Bernard's uh, letter here that he sent on the Free Talk Live Facebook page. So if people oh, go to facebook.freetalklive.com, it is the, the newest post there on the page. All the details that you just sent me in an email a moment ago, Bernard, I have reposted there. So all of your instructions, the address uh, for the judge, the suggestions as to how to approach the, the letters, it's all right there over at facebook.freetalklive.com. But alternatively, Bernard, folks can email you and uh, request the information, correct? That's right. Uh, when I was on Alex Jones' uh, interview yesterday, I just happened to mention that by chance. And, oh, my God, um, mm-hmm. I didn't know Alex had so many listeners. Uh, but, yes, uh, and people can probably remember this even if they're out driving around because the address is pretty simple, Bernard at LibertyDollar.org. And if you just sent that to me and mentioned the word judge in this subject field or something like that, uh, I would then uh, reply to your email and give you the the information that Ian was kind enough to now, post. It's important to point out that uh, even though it's pronounced Bernard, it is spelled B-E-R-N-A-R-D. So that's B-E-R-N-A-R-D at LibertyDollar.org? Yes, sir. It looks like Bernard, but it's the German pronunciation. Does, uh, does editor at LibertyDollar.org also get to you? Oh, editor at Liberty Dollar gets to me also. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. That one might be yeah. a little bit easier for folks. So uh, you want to uh, you want to email Bernard over at editor dot excuse me editor at libertydollar.org. He'll email you back with the instructions as to how to contact the judge. Alternately, you can just go to the Free Talk Live Facebook page, and all the instructions have been posted there. Time is of the essence, though, right, Bernard? So folks should get on this like before the end of the week. Absolutely, because uh, I've been out now for almost a year, which is very unusual. So people, if you're going to make a statement uh, in my behalf, then now's the time to do do it it because uh, I'm coming up for sentencing here. I don't know. Sooner rather than later. Bernard, it's always great having you on. Keep in touch, and we'll keep our listeners informed. Thank you, sir. 
BigEdPress.com is your home for illustrated science fiction and adventure. Escape from Terra, Volume 2, continues the bold adventures of intrepid space pioneers as they find wealth, freedom, and a giant Elvis head in interplanetary space. Thetis Crumb is where Swashbuckle meets Steampunk in this offbeat space pirate saga written by L. Neil Smith and illustrated by Scott Beezer. Both books are $14.95 each and available now at BigHeadPress.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have for you there, Uh, features including our archive. So if you've missed a moment of the show, it's no problem. They're right there. Just download as many as you'd like, going all the way back to late 2006 over at freetalklive.com. We just got off the phone a moment ago with Bernard von Nothaus, who is the monetary architect behind the Liberty Dollar, facing 22 years in prison for alleged counterfeiting charges, which is just an absolute insult. Uh, The idea that what he was doing was in any way, shape, or form counterfeiting, uh, because the Liberty Dollar, if you've ever seen them before, you know that they don't look like the U.S. currency at all. They look like real silver, first off and foremost, and or the warehouse receipts look totally different from the the U.S. dollar. The silver pieces are, sure, they're round like U.S. currency, but everything's uh, silver pieces. Almost all silver pieces are round. Uh, but besides that, there were a phone number. There was a phone number on it. There was a website on it. I mean, it was very clear that it was an in- intended to, uh, you know, enlighten people. And that's what Bernard's whole point was. And uh, they were all different colors, too, is the other thing. I mean, the papers were the warehouse receipts. were. uh, Yes. I mean, everybody, when they see currency, they would if they see that it's U.S., they would expect it to be green. But I mean, these had reds and purples and golds in them. I think the claim of the government was not that the warehouse receipts were the issue, that it was the silver pieces that were the rounds, essentially, that, you know, had Lady Liberty on them, basically. Mm Uh, but again, they had a phone number. How many U.S. currency – have you ever seen U.S. currency with a phone number on it? Have you ever seen U.S. currency with a website on it? It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. And when you would go to the, the website or when you would go to the you – know, call the phone number, you would be given the opportunity to learn about what you have in your hand and, and what it is – what is this? It is real silver. What does that mean? Explaining to people you know, why the U.S. dollar is, is not backed by anything and why having silver or gold or something else, some other precious metal backing currency is a good idea. So it was really more of an educational campaign than, than anything else. And in fact, you know, when we've talked in detail – about the Liberty Dollar, uh, there have been some legitimate critiques that have been brought up about the Liberty Dollar, and one of the one of the critiques was the uh, the old move up thing that they the, the way the no what does that mean? Well, you see, the one of the biggest critiques, and I think it was the best critique about the Liberty Dollar, is that it had a dollar figure on it. So, like for instance, when I got into it at the beginning of the aughts. So around the year 2000 or 2001, when I got myself some Liberty Dollars, the one ounce silver piece cost just under 10 bucks, mm-hmm. and it was labeled $10. So the idea was that as a, an associate, a Liberty Dollar associate, I would get the, uh, the piece at a slight discount, a very, very slight discount, mm-hmm. off of the actual uh, cost of the 
or off of whatever the regular retail cost of it would be. So off of the ten dollar cost. So like you know, I was paying basically nine nine and change right. for these pieces that were labeled as ten. And the idea was that was to give people the incentive, people like me, the incentive to spend these because otherwise you're going up against oh god, was it is it Gresham's law? I think it might be Gresham's right, law. Right, where uh, bad money chases good. Right, where if you've got bad money and good money, you're more likely to spend the bad money first. Why mm-hmm. would you want to spend the good money? And indeed, uh, you know, if you're if you're if you've got silver and then the U.S. currency, and why would you want to spend the silver when you could just hoard it away somewhere? So the idea was to discount the silver a little bit and make it so that uh, it, it would be something where if you did. Uh, put one into circulation. If I got a Liberty Dollar piece, I paid $9 for it, and I put it into circulation and bought something that was $10 with something that I paid $9 for. It gives me the incentive to spend it rather than save it. Does that make now, sense? It, I do see the incentive that's created out of that situation, but I'm curious if inflation took over so quickly that the value of these things became much larger than what was uh, originally written. So here comes the uh, the issue with the liber- the biggest gripe that uh, people had about the Liberty Dollar. And I think, you know, legitimately, it wasn't a perfect currency. But what it was, was the only one. You know, it was the only real significant competitor to the U.S. federal government's dollar. So it had some some bugs. And one of the problems was the, the move-up. So the idea was, again, it started with $10 on the the silver piece, the one-ounce silver piece. But you're right. Bernard knew that over time the value was going to go up, and so he had pl- he had a plan for that. And the, the plan was essentially once the the moving average or something like that of the value of silver in, in U.S. dollars would go above a certain point, and I think it was – I think it was like 15 bucks or something. I forget I forget what it was. But it went up past a certain point for 30 days, like a 30-day moving average uh, yeah. went past a certain point. Then the Liberty Dollar would move up to the next price point, which was $20. So it moved from a $10 piece to a $20 piece in the time that I was a Liberty Dollar associate. And at that time, when that occurred, uh, you had the option to send in your pieces physically, to mail all your pieces in. And essentially have them reminted. Oh, how cool. Well, you know, that sounds cool, and it is. But on the other hand, it's costly, right? I mean, you've got to yes. pay for the shipping of the pieces. Then you actually had to pay a per-piece reminting fee. Well, you didn't have to do this at all. That's true. I could have just held on to them. Yeah, they, they've become collector's items, and they're valuable in their own right for not having turned them into a new one. I, I wish I hadn't uh, turned uh, turned them into uh, to new pieces. But a lot of people did, and you know, if you if you were like me and you were out actively kind of promoting it, then it, it made sense to have the, the newer ones rather than having to explain to someone at a re- cash register why it says $10 on it, but you're offering it as a $20 piece. Right. So again, the idea of the Liberty Dollar was to be a uh, it, it was to be a kind of an educational piece, more so than an actual uh, currency that could somehow overtake the federal government's uh, currency someday. Uh, I mean, how realistic that was, I don't know. But it being an educational piece... When you're at a cash register, you only have so much time. You've got a line, especially if you've got a line behind you. You know, you don't want to be giving someone a lesson on uh, economics and and the value of silver. You just that's 
you don't have time for it. So, uh, so if you were using the Liberty Dollar at cash registers, it made sense to have it at a price point where it was more close to the actual value of uh, of silver. I see. That does make a lot of sense. Right. So then there was another move up to uh, the fifty dollar piece. So it went from like ten dollars to twenty dollars to to fifty, and it, it was around the fifty dollar move up when everything went kaputs after the you know the federal government swooped in and and raided the uh, the operation, but. Can you see what the gripe about uh, you know people's co- co- legitimate complaint was about the Liberty Dollar, like that they had to keep spending in that's order a, to kind of keep it going? Right, and that's a unique thing uh, to have happen with any currency. I've never heard of uh, people being able to send their currency back in, and you know the U.S. government will remint it <laughs> with new pictures of you know like rocks and fountains. Right. So uh, the, the the real the baseline of that complaint was the idea that it had a dollar value on it. And right. a lot of people point out, well, a, a silver currency should be denominated in the the amount of the silver. It should yeah, just be an ounce, right? And then, you know, we've got the internet today, and we can easily check values of weights of silver. But, of course, the Liberty Dollar came out in the late 1990s. So we mm-hmm. didn't have the same level of connectivity back then uh, as we do today. And, you know. He did the right thing, I think, at the right time for it, it to, for what it was as an educational piece. It all made sense. Could there have been a better way to do it? Probably. But did anyone else compete with Bernard? Not that I know of. Where, where's right. the competitor to the Liberty Dollar? For all the people that complained about the Liberty Dollar over the years, and again, I think some of the complaints were legitimate, but for all the people who complained, I don't know of anybody that decided to do the same thing and, and compete and you know step into the alternative currency markets and actually make an alternative currency that's marketed. You know, there's a billion yeah, there are, silver There are pieces. a lot of silver uh, people who are pushing silver cards or right. uh, you know silver dimes using these things to more carry so now around in than, our wallets more so now than in the past yes. uh, but during the history of the liberty dollar there wasn't an actual organization of any sort that was really out there educating people about uh, sound money yeah there were plenty of silver vendors you could you know get in touch with Mex or Midas or you know the various other people that were selling silver but they weren't doing it for the purpose of education, if that if that makes sense, or at least never came that way, came off that way to me. And so I think I think Bernard von Nothaus is a hero. He's a really brave guy who literally put his freedom uh, where his mouth was and marketed a, a brilliant tool to educate people about sound money. And now he's facing 22 years in prison. So brave. So if you want to help him out and write to the judge, uh, go to the Free Talk Live Facebook page where you'll find all the details on that. There's more coming up, and this is Free Talk Live. From filmmaker A.I. Wintermute comes the feature-length documentary, Liberty in Our Lifetime. It chronicles the real-life activists who have moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project and the many ways in which they seek to live free. But he needs your help to get this important story off the ground. Visit LibertyDocumentary.com, watch the trailer, and find out how you can help bring this film to life. That's LibertyDocumentary.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you'd like. The number is 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com, where we'll give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. 
And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us. Head over to shop.freetalklive.com. You'll find there links to Amazon. And when you click into one of those links, there's different ones for different countries. So click into the right one for you and then just get whatever it is you're looking for. Amazon has all kinds of products. Uh, Dozens of categories, probably millions of items. You uh, get your shopping done and get the stuff you want delivered to your door. Great Amazon prices that you're used to, the Amazon experience you're used to if you've ever shopped at Amazon before, and you probably have. Uh, it's just that you're entering through our portal, and when you do that, Free Talk Live gets a portion of Amazon's profits. So there's no reason not to go to shop.freetalklive.com and start your shopping experience there. We've been talking about the Liberty Dollar uh, throughout the hour this uh, this particular evening, and uh, that's because Bernard von Nothaus from the Liberty Dollar is facing 22 years in prison for basically offering an alternative to the federal government's currency. Now, Bernard actually came to the Free State Project's Liberty Forum as one of the, I believe he was a keynote speaker a few years ago, prior to, must have been prior to his uh, attack by the uh, the federal government. And uh, he had a great time there. Uh, you can also have a great time at the Liberty Forum because it's coming up again, February 23rd through the 26th. It is one of the largest liberty gatherings in the world, and there are usually interesting folks like Bernard von Nothaus who will show up to this thing. Uh, so this year, uh, besides Derek Jay, who will be uh, attending the Liberty Forum, you'll get to meet all kinds of interesting personalities like Carlos Miller from Photography is Not a Crime, Peter Schiff, the investment advisor. He will be there. He'll actually be running a seminar and giving a keynote speech. Uh, in addition to that, Joel Salatin, the author of You Can Farm, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Starting and Succeeding a Farming uh, in a Farming Business, will be the other keynote speaker. And there are a variety of other speakers that will be there as well, including Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center, Michael Cloud from the Center for Small Government, uh, Prax Girl from the Prax Girl YouTube channel, as well as Jody Emery from Cannabis Culture Magazine, and many more. Go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Use coupon code FTL2012 to get registered and save yourself 10% off the already low and already affordable uh, rates for this uh, convention. Again, freestateproject.org slash libertyforum, code FTL2012 to save 10%. Free Talk Live will be broadcasting live from the event, so look forward to, uh, to seeing you there. If you've never been before... Make the time to come up to this if you if you possibly can. It's an absolute blast. And even if you can't make it for all Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and you can only come up for Saturday and Sunday or just Saturday, there are a la carte tickets available as well. So, you, you know, you don't have to buy the whole VIP uh, experience. But if you do get the VIP tickets, that'll give you access to, you know, all the luncheons and dinners and the speeches and keynotes and everything. And it's, I think, like 210 bucks. And then, again, take 10% off with code FTL2012. But that code works even if you're buying the a la carte packages, too. So it's 10% off your whole bill uh, with code FTL2012 at freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. So there are other things, certainly, uh, to discuss here tonight. In fact, Derek Jay, you're going to tell us about some bizarre new police state uh, freaky technology. I definitely want to get into that as well. But do you feel like there's something else that we haven't covered about the Liberty Dollar at all that uh, that maybe we should we should mention? Any, uh, well, issues? simply that it hasn't hurt anybody. Uh, if mm. if it's being used at all, it's because it was beneficial to both people involved in the trade. That's right. And that uh, someone being put in a cage um, by, I suppose, a jury of their peers being having been convicted uh, at a jury trial is, is just absurd. Uh, for someone to be locked away for producing something that... People traded voluntarily 
uh, which benefited all in the exchange. Uh, that that just makes no sense to me. And if it uh, doesn't make sense to you, I would hope that you would also write to uh, the judge who's going to do the sentencing. Well, you said that no one was a victim, and and you're right in that no individual human beings were victims here. But uh, I think the federal government people feel victimized, you know, because they uh, they actually had competition, and they don't like that very much. They feel like their legitimacy has been uh, victimized here by this man, this dastardly uh, man going out there and marketing his his real value-backed currency and just showing up the uh, federal government for the shameful uh, scumbags and liars and, you know, uh, perpetrators of uh, basically deception uh, that they are. So well, they probably feel deceived. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because it, it reminds me that there are people like Bernard von Nothaus who did not produce things uh, like the Liberty Dollar, though they may have wanted to, uh, who had been victimized by the state because they knew the consequences of doing something like uh, creating an alternative currency. So there, there have been victims that are unseen in this situation, and they're victims of uh, state aggression or threats thereof. Certainly. Bernard himself is a victim uh, of the state aggression, as well as his other associates, people that were working for him. Um, one of them, Kevin, actually came up to the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year and came actually to visit me while I was in jail. He was visiting Keene uh, for a short while, and he's actually originally from Canada, Thankfully, they ended up uh, – I think he ended up taking a plea deal or something like that to get out. They held him in jail for two years <gasps> in a, in a detention facility because just, just because he was from Canada. Wow. Yeah, because he's an immigrant. Yeah. And so that I'm makes him, him scarier, exactly. scarier to the U.S. government, I guess. So it's just horrible what they've been doing to these folks all because they wanted to offer an alternative currency. And it's also should be instructive for anyone else that wants to do the same thing because – they're going to target you. Right. Even if he ends up with uh, no time, uh, the the lightest sentence possible, all of the time and energy he's had to spend defending oh his freedom is, is enough to make people turned off to the idea of uh, creating an alternative well, currency. That's I'm what sure. they want, right? They want people to be intimidated by this. They want them to see the example of the Liberty Dollar and say to themselves, wow, I don't want to have to deal with five years in court and hiring however much he spent on lawyers to, I mean, I don't, I didn't ask him how, how he's doing financially, but I don't think it's very well because I know he's asked for help financially over the, the years through, uh, through his newsletters. And I've, I've sent, uh, sent some money along for that purpose. You, you know, this is going to wipe somebody out. It, it, they took all of the gold and silver. They took the whole operation. they, that's it. I mean, that's that's it's horrible what they've done, and so hopefully, folks will be able to help out. There's there's already been a critic over at the uh, the Free Talk Live Facebook page on the post that I made. I, I made a post which has all the information about how to contact uh, this this robed man, and some rude, you know, someone writes. Isn't it time to stop the schizophrenia? Calling an effing judge honorable, asking for respect when dealing with a victimless crime and something so obviously powerful in the arena of freedom, and we are still being asked to lick a judge's butt instead of telling him that he had an, if he had an ounce of honor in him, the case would have never been tried. And I've been cutting some of the profanity out of this. Lick the boots, F that, he says. And mm. look, I get it. I didn't call the judge honorable when I wrote – when I addressed the envelope. I did not write the honorable on there, but I wrote the rest of it. And I wasn't rude in my uh, letter in which I wrote, but I, I wouldn't say that I you know 
fell in line with all of the conventions of addressing a judge, right? I, I didn't do that, but I wasn't rude at the same time. Right. That's totally doable. I think uh, a lot of people who are turned off by uh, communication with agents of the state, mm-hmm. and uh, I can relate. I myself was one not long ago, but it is possible to communicate with them using your own language and not putting it on their terms, you know? Uh, I feel like a lot of my hesitation for writing to people like judges was because I felt like I had to include things like the honorable. And now I realize, no, I, I don't. I won't get in trouble for just addressing him by his, you know, first and last name like any other person. So exactly. it's, it's no problem. I yeah. encourage more communication. And you're right. The more communication, the better. And reality is the man is still a man in a robe, right? And And he's... Somewhere in there, there's a human being, and if there's some way to connect with that human being on some sort of a level, it's worth doing. This guy's facing 22 years in prison. I Look, I get it. I'm, I, as much as anyone else, want to tear down the wall of legitimacy of the state, but that's a long-term process, and – in one letter that you write to the man in the robe, you're not going to end the legitimacy of the state, okay? So in this case, Bernard von Nothaus is facing 22 years in prison, and the fact is this guy's holding the axe over his head. So you got to say whatever it takes to, to you know, pull this guy back from the ledge, to pull this judge uh, back from doing the worst he can possibly do uh, to Bernard von Nothaus. Yeah, don't hurt that man. Please don't. And there's, there are ways you can say that and, and still be nice about it, right? Yeah. You don't have to be rude. Certainly Absolutely. being rude is not going to help anything. Uh, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free lane. Coming up, a bizarre new police state development coming out of your ho- former home uh, turf of New Jersey. We'll uh, get to that here with Derek J in a moment. 855-450-FREE, the toll-free number. You take control. Bring up anything. Hour 2's next. Free Talk Live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at WeUseCoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at SpendBitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via SpendBitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at AU.SpendBitcoins.com. Once again, that's SpendBitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, launching into the second hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features we have there for you. Again, freetalklive.com. You get to control the content of the site if you would like. All you have to do is go and submit stuff to it. So you find something online that you think is interesting, you submit it as show prep, it appears on the site, and then other people can vote as to whether or not they like or dislike uh, what you've done. That's uh, freetalklive.com. So head over there and get involved. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Derek J. Derek J., you've come across some news out of New Jersey, uh, which is where you're from, actually. That's right. And... 
it's pretty weird sounding. Like, this is new to me. I've never if, heard of this before. If you didn't think that red light cameras were a scam enough, now they're putting spotlights on individual human beings who they believe are about to commit a crime. They're adding them to the red light cameras that are already being added to, you know, intersections uh, just to prevent traffic violations of people running these red lights. They see a camera, they say, maybe I won't this time. I don't know what the theory really behind these cameras is, because to me it always seems like a big brother. Well, the theory is revenue, like... Because the cops aren't can't be everywhere at once, they install these red light cameras at as many intersections as possible, and then just you know use an automated computer system to write people tickets. And most people never challenge the tickets they get. They never take take them to court. You know, prove prove that I was in the driver's seat, for instance, right? Uh, so you know they go unchallenged, and they just people just cut them checks. So it's all about revenue. It's not about safety. Well, I don't know how they'll be directing revenue with this one. This seems like totally a, a big brother technique to me. Yeah, tell uh, me more about it. Well, the idea is that police will be watching these cameras that are at intersections, uh, places that are dark, I would suppose. I don't think they'll be using them during the daytime, but they are red spotlights that are able to be uh, directed around by remote control, so... so in theory, someone sitting in a, a big room with lots of cameras can be watching and say, that person looks suspicious, and then, bam, drop a spotlight on them. And <laughs> I suppose that people are going to feel safer knowing that someone has a red spotlight on them. They get to watch out for that suspicious person that the police have deemed, you know, dangerous, supposedly. So I, I can't imagine that uh, these would violate anyone's rights. Can you? I'm just bewildered by this. I, I've never like sometimes this, the state people surprise me. Like sometimes I'm not surprised by the advancements of tyranny in this country. It's like, oh, yeah, more of that. But to like sometimes just out of left field, I never would have expected this to be, you know, something that they came up with. So what will the, they what criteria will they be using to determine who it is that they'll be shining these lights upon. They, they really haven't said much about that at all. The police chief is just saying that it's been so effective to have all these uh, red light cameras that this is going to add an extra layer of safety and help keep the police safe. It's That's really, it seems to be, most of their goal is to keep the police safe in these situations where someone rolling by in their police cruiser would maybe have to stop, get out, investigate a situation... This is going to eliminate all that, but I think it's also going to make the situations more frequent because the cop won't feel like uh, they're at risk. So they're just going to be popping this spotlight onto people, whoever they want, and then, uh, I, I don't know, I suppose that person could always walk out of the spotlight. There's there's no harm in just walking away from it. I don't think that it you know, barks at you or, or that's you know, what throws next. a mark on you. That's, yeah. that's what's next. And they uh, they had that in the UK. I don't know if they, they probably still do. You know, they've got all their the, cameras yeah, everywhere Yeah, the CCTV there. cameras can actually yell at people, tell them to pick up trash right. if they uh, dropped trash on the ground. Right. I mean, just imagine sitting on a, a park bench or something like that and, you know, you're, you're using your vapor smiths or something and then all of a sudden some cockney accent starts barking at you and, you know, telling you, to, telling you what to do. We're probably not far away from that happening here uh, in in New Jersey, at least in New Jersey, where this tech t- technology is being implemented. So 
But can you imagine? I would be terrified. It's just a, a person walking around. If if a spotlight were to drop on me for All whatever of a sudden. reason, yeah, like having my hands in my pockets or something, so calling that suspicious behavior, like I, I may be intending to hurt someone, mm-hmm. wearing sunglasses I'm, at night, for instance, <laughs> that could be it. Yeah, that they may find me suspicious for a number of reasons. Right, and so I, I would not feel comfortable knowing that uh, there are agents of the state watching my every move and then dropping spotlights on me to alarm my fellow humans that I, I may be a danger to them. Now, that brings me to an important point or question. Uh, there is going to be a human being behind this, right? I mean, there's some guy with a joystick out there that's making these determinations. Uh, yeah, until there's uh, the technology for these red light cameras to detect suspicious persons on their own, yeah, that's, it's a human being who's doing it. But I'm sure there are programmers who are, you know, hard at work trying to find ways to determine, I guess, through heat signals or whatever, that uh, people are suspicious or not. But I, I would say another danger in this, if people like this idea, one thing to consider is that I think traffic uh, red lights have made uh, life a little more dangerous on the road because people aren't making their own decisions about when they're going to pay attention to the road. So uh, a person who's coming to an intersection may have a different perspective when uh, coming to a circle because you actually have to use your own mind, analyze the road and uh, your position of when you want to move at a circle. But at a red light, you just wait for the government to tell you when to go. In this case, it's true. People, it makes people lazy, right. mentally lazy. So in this case, people who ought to be vigilant in, in cities or high crime areas should be looking around are now just going to depend on the, the person in the sky yeah, to go just do what drop I'm told. a Yeah, just they'll drop a spotlight on anyone dangerous. I don't have to look around right now because mm. there's no spotlight on anyone. That's a good point. So this is going to be controlled by a human being, which is different from the red light cameras. That's all automated, you know, based on when the, the lights turn, they take pictures of anybody running through the, the intersection. It's all done by a computer system. And then the system actually is, I think from what I understand, the system is what sends the tickets out as well. So it really doesn't even pass through human hands at all until somebody pays the, the check or they cut a check and pay the uh, pay the fine. In this case, they will require someone to be monitoring these intersections, which is going to be a kink in their in their plan to some extent because, well, you know, human resources are finite and the state governments only have so much money. And so how much money can they really uh, direct toward hiring someone to observe these video video cameras? And operate the platform that uh, that creates this. So that's another question. So well, how effective this will be at actually finding, you know, the supposed criminals? And again, what criteria they'll be using? I'm still not sure. The Very idea, strange. the idea, it seems uh, from William Robertson, the police chief of East Orange, where these uh, spotlights are being rolled out, is to deter crime. He's saying. Uh, He even mentions the London cameras in his Mm -hmm. quote. He says, whereas London has talking cameras, we're about to deploy light protecting cameras, better known as light based intervention systems. The message to criminals is we are observing you. The police are recording you and the police are responding. So it's supposed to make people so fearful of looking suspicious or acting in any other way uh, outside the conventional norms that... 
you know, don't don't catch our attention for being different. You know, they did find that in London, the video cameras didn't make a damn bit of difference as far as lowering crime. But lights do make a difference. Just regular street lights make a difference. Like so if you've got a lighted street versus, you know, unlighted street, it's more likely someone's going to get robbed at knife point or something like that in an unlighted street. But nobody has to monitor a lamppost. That's right. You can keep that on bright and you can have a million of them and not need anyone to to watch how they're doing. Right. Uh, This would require someone sitting in a seat and watching a bunch of tv cameras determining where to drop the spotlight yeah this seems more to be a you know a nice sweet contract for whoever the the contractor is that's going to be installing these these new devices i can't imagine how a person would get fired with that job how could you determine that someone's done a bad job of installing it or monitoring of monitoring yeah how could you because, again, they're, they're only going to be focusing the light on people that they believe will be committing crimes. Uh, 855-450-FREE. I suppose they could focus it on people actually committing crimes as well. It's just the whole thing just feels creepy to me. More coming up. Your thoughts are welcome. Free Talk Live. The state owns the land, but they don't own the water. If they threaten you in your home, you can try to escape their tentacles by packing the car, leaving your house and much you've worked for, and hope to cross their borders. But if you lived on a boat, you weigh anchor and sail away. Not just any boat. A life yacht. It's a stable catamaran as big as a house that purifies its own water, generates its own power, grows its own food, and has a shallow draft to be able to get a car or SUV ashore. You can be involved for $1,000 and a commitment as little as eight months. EricksonCouncil.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free, bring up anything at 855-450-FREE. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian here. And Derek J. And Derek J. has a blog. You can visit him there. You're, of course, one of the bloggers, many bloggers at uh, freekeen.com, but you have your own blog as well, which That's is right. liveforyourdance.com. That's correct. And you have been busily uploading videos of uh, us of late. Uh, what are some of the newest uh Eclipse that you have added to your blog. Well, uh, I, of course, have a call to the new uh, Keene City Mayor who said on a recent uh, talk show that he would be interested in having the local media and independent media interview him. Mm-hmm. I have a call to his office uh, where I unsuccessfully schedule an interview. This was weeks ago. Still haven't was it heard. weeks? Yes. Wow. Still haven't heard back. And... Uh, so that's just part of highlighting the bureaucracy there. Right. But one of my favorites that I've recently uploaded is when we were served. Uh, oh. We were given notices of trespass uh, for singing on the <laughs> the parking lot of uh, the Superior Court building here right. in Keene. And no, no, no. It was harassing. We were harassing. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Well, persistent harassing is what they called it. And you can see the, the court order there yourself uh, over at Free Talk La- or at freetalklive.com will probably have a link, but it's at livefreerdance.com, livefreerdance.com. Um, where you can just see the order for yourself. Uh, it's just amazing to see this video where they tell us that we're not, you and Ian, uh, Ian and I and some others who are out there singing, we're not allowed to be on the parking lot. Now, we hadn't been in the parking lot at all that day. 
We had stayed on the sidewalk, and that is what the court order said. We had to stay on the sidewalk. Well, so this was like, after this was uh, after the time when they came out and verbally threatened us and kicked us out of the parking lot. This was their official, you know, service of the same threat, essentially that they had verbally delivered previously. They had it all written up, and the sheriff had signed it, and. Uh, I I still wonder what the legality of all that is, and whether or not it's it's actually even by their own rules a, a legal thing for them to do, or if it's just a bluff. Well, I that's part of the video. If you look it up, uh, you'll be able to see that I go and do some investigative work into the RSAs that they cite. Uh, saying that they have the authority to do this. Apparently, we're, we're thefting their property by being on it. Is is allegedly their their claim through hmm. the RSAs and and the language written in the uh, uh, order. But if you disagree, please uh, write in and and tell me if if you think I've erred there. But no, that seems to be their claim that uh, we are unauthorized persons and the owner of that property doesn't want us there. Uh, so who is the owner? That is unclear to me. But yeah. I would think that you, as a taxpayer, uh, would be part owner, but You'd apparently think. not. But yeah, they just do whatever they want to, and uh, folks can keep up to uh, what Derek's doing over at com. And do you have time to read books these days? I can tell you, I find it real difficult to uh, to make time for, for books, but audiobooks are the solution. It's a great way to get in the reading you really want to do without having to carve any extra time out of your day to actually sit down and read a book, because odds are good you're spending time in the car, you're going from place to place. Uh, Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment, including business, classics, fiction, erotica, history, sci-fi, and everything else you can possibly imagine. It is fast, easy, and affordable, and their selection is huge. So try it for yourself. Go and dig around and see all of the stuff that they have at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's obviously our affiliate link. So when you click in through that, it will give us credit for you know getting them the sign up. And you're going to get a free audiobook out of the deal. Get a free download. It doesn't have to be an audiobook. It could also be a podcast as well. Uh, go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. Get a free gold membership, and your first audiobook is completely free. Audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. You've got nothing to lose. Give it a shot. Let's go to the phones to the fun. Frank in New York, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Derek J. Uh, good, good evening. Frank, what's on your mind yeah, it's tonight? very interesting. Uh, when we talk about the security grill, grid or the you know surveillance that we're all under right now, when you mention the cameras, be they uh, cameras recording cars going through intersections or systems that uh, FEMA and Homeland Security are subsidizing state and local governments to acquire, uh, such as in the United Kingdom, England especially, you'll notice that the main reason why these systems exist isn't to prevent crime happening in real time. But it's sort of like the riots last year in England, London, whereby everything was documented, and then two months later, three months later, people were arrested for their participation, whether it was doing vandalism or just protesting or whatever. Hmm. Wow, really? Yeah, so in a sense, we have to be aware of that. And the same thing is happening right now in Russia, in Moscow, we know that uh, there's an election going on with Putin, and he'll probably win. And uh, uh, there are different individuals, anarchists, people that believe complete freedom, and people that want to return to Bolshevism. And as a result, you know, there, Moscow does have a grid of surveillance as well. 
and they're arresting, you know, these individuals, even if they're at, let's say, protests, and they swear not using profanity, but they make a statement to themselves, uh, that's actually punishable by up to 15 days in prison right now. And there's several young agitators, political activists, that are actually going through that. So This is in, in sense, Russia, you're saying? Yeah. So we have to be mindful of, you know, the surveillance system that Michel Foucault talked about, the Jeremy Benton's panopticon metaphor, is now rather ubiquitous. And uh, uh, we're seeing it being integrated all over the United States, whether it's little mm-hmm. little villages, you know, in agricultural areas or cities like New York or Brooklyn, whereby, you know, everything is uh, surveilled. Right. And ultimately, it will be used in retrospect to punish those that, you know, challenge the system or, you know, break the supposed social political order. And that's all I wanted to say tonight. So Yeah, I'd say you're right about that, Frank. And I would also suggest that if there's a chance that you can stop these things from coming to your area. If they're not already there, then you should really consider pulling out whatever stops are necessary to What's interesting, to stop that's this. a very good point, if people have the ability to take action. and uh, But for the most part, these are mandated by the federal government with, you know, FEMA, Homeland Security. Right. And, and we're dealing with it here, too. Even, even the little not... police departments sort of are, you know, becoming fusion threat centers tied in with that system. So Yep, they absolutely in are. In fact, we're seeing it happen here in our very own Keene, New Hampshire, not necessarily on the surveillance aspect, but on the militarization of the police, where they've sure. uh, recently taken a federal grant of $300,000 with which they must buy a what they call a Bearcat attack vehicle. Oh, uh, that's like a tank, right? Yes, it's an yeah, armored precisely. personnel carrier. I just wish I were manufacturing those Bearcat. <laughs> yes, Blanco is doing very, very well as a result of all the federal money that is being shuffled over to them. Thanks, Frank, for the call tonight. Appreciate it at 855-450-FREE. And the way it, it happened here was they just came and slipped it in. Uh, they they know that no one goes to city council meetings, so they uh, they heard this thing at the meeting, and then they approved it. And the, I mean, it really, literally just happened within two weeks, and then all of a sudden there's news about how the city council is accepting this bear cat from the federal government, and it's outrageous to people. And for those people who are still supporters of it because they think it's it's cheap and a, a good way to prevent crime, remember that there's upkeep on these vehicles that is not being accounted for when the government says, here, this is free. Right. What kind of repairs is it going to take? It's a really specific, it's not like a Toyota Camry. This is a specific, unique kind of vehicle, and it's going to be very expensive to repair and keep up. More coming up, 855-453-FREE. Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want. Toll-free number 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features you'll find there. Again, Free Talk Live 
Com. Those features include our mobile site. If you have a smartphone, you should have our mobile site bookmarked. Go to m, as in mobile.freetalklive.com, and you'll get quick access to our live streams as well as the podcast there, m, as in mobile.freetalklive.com. I was actually on the phone with uh, one of the guys from tunein.com today, and we're talking about uh, some sort of a partnership, and nothing has been uh, you know, ironed out. Uh, no, no agreements have been signed at this point, but we've had TuneIn's links there on our mobile site for quite a while, and I guess they just got into the Ford Sync. Uh, Ford, I guess, has the new dashboard where it's all digital. You know, like with oh yeah, those are beautiful, fancy digital stuff and internet and everything. <laughs> and uh, so I guess TuneIn's going to have an app on the Ford Sync dashboard. So if you you know end up in a Ford in a few years, you should be able to tune into Free Talk Live right from your dashboard. Oh, that's great! Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. And that's among uh, other things that hopefully we'll be able to announce soon about uh, how you know we're going to help tune in. They're going to help us, and it's cool. It's a cool platform they've got going on there. It's 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 a nice, easy mobile listening app that works on every phone that you can think of. So blackberry android iphone windows uh windows phones they all have a tune-in app which makes it real easy to find free talk lives live streams and uh as well as lrn.fm uh even the keen police scanner is on TuneIn, which is particularly handy so uh so again m.freetalklive.com will take you there now then bitcoins you need to know about these they're going to become more um i think more popular over time certainly they have become more popular in the last three years since they came out back in uh, 2008 they are the world's first free market peer-to-peer digital cash they can't be counterfeited or inflated and you don't have to ask anyone's permission to get started in this. You don't have to go and you know beg the government for a social security number so you can open a bank account just so you can have bitcoins. No, you just go and download the Bitcoin client, and then you can start adding bitcoins to your account. I mean, it is that easy. You can even buy them with a credit card or PayPal through our friends over at MemoryDealers.com. They're offering physical bitcoins, which, of course, can be transferred to digital form at any time at MemoryDealers.com. They make a great conversation starter, sort of like how the Liberty Dollar was a great conversation starter for alternative currencies and and value-backed currency. The Bitcoin physical pieces are a great conversation starter about the Bitcoin, get people asked questions about what it is, give you the opportunity to explain how cool it is, because it is truly decentralized. There's no one in charge. Believe it or not. It's amazing. Right. People love the physical Bitcoins, too. They are a beautiful little coin. Yeah, it's really cool, especially considering they're really only on, like, the second generation of them at this point. It's it's all, you know, brand new. This is new territory. And so, you know, some caution is warranted when it comes to the Bitcoin. And you can learn more about Bitcoin at WeUseCoins.com. That's WeUseCoins.com. And go and get some over at MemoryDealers.com. Uh, it's it's going to be and already is turning out to be a revolutionary uh, currency. So once again, we use coins.com and memorydealers.com. So uh, 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number here tonight. Since we're talking about police-related things, let's go down to the border or thereabouts, the southern border in this particular case. According to KRGV in Rio Grande Valley, te- uh, Valley Texas, Three beheadings in two different states have happened in the United States, not Mexico, which 
if you've been paying attention to the insane war on drugs and what's been happening down south, you know that the uh, the drug cartels are you know they're becoming more brutal over time apparently and uh, more open with their activities and their uh, you know they've been known for particularly nasty things like beheading human beings. Wow. Yeah, so these aren't that? these aren't like uh, state beheadings, like um, you know Marie Antoinette style things. These no. are these are just uh, criminals who are, are hurting each other. Correct. The average uh, you know drug criminal, the drug gangs are you know warring things out, and they're fighting people that the you know in turf wars and such. And it's sick. I mean, obviously, but this is what happens as a result of prohibition. When you prohibit a product or service, it goes underground and it becomes. The product that is, uh, you know, created and distributed by criminals, by people that are willing to face jail time. I mean, these people are risking serious jail uh, penalties for dealing drugs. And so it attracts them, likely attracts the most dangerous of characters, especially at higher levels when you're dealing with even more value. You're dealing with uh, big bulk purchases and thousands upon thousands or hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars uh, worth of product. I mean, there's serious, serious money involved in, in serious criminals are involved in doing this business. And well, so these are people who take enormous amounts of risk. Yes. And in the absence of prohibition, I don't think they would be criminals, but, you know, businessmen no, and who you would don't... talk things out with each other right. rather than behead one another. Or go to court or arbitration or some sort of a public forum to air grievances. There would be uh, they, yeah. there would be a vested interest in finding peaceful ways to solve their problems because it, it costs a lot of money to uh, hunt someone out and then have them killed. That's, that's not good Jack, for business. Right. You don't see Jack Daniels hunting down the manager of Starbucks so they can uh, ice his wife or something like that to hold him it's bad for business and if you know people were able to just promote this stuff out freely in in the marketplace then i i think that uh you know, consumers would decide who who's going to be the victor in all this. Not, and that would be the, the solution, guns. Derek J. But unfortunately, no one's proposing that except for maybe someone like Ron Paul. Uh, and in this case, until someone gets serious within the political system, because you know, like it or not, the system sucks. It's slow. It's unwieldy. It's awful. But as long as they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to keep getting what they're getting. And we're going to keep getting what we're getting. And that is that those of us, even if we're not involved in the drug trade or drug users, even if you're not a drug user, you're still possibly subject to being caught in the crossfire of, uh, of a drug, you know, drug-related shootout. You're subject to having your car broken into and your stereo stolen. Maybe you Plus, being held up at knife point or gunpoint. Or your cash. rights violated by the police uh, for fear that you may be one of these criminals. Great point. Having your Fourth, uh, you know, your freedom to uh, to be free, your right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure being violated left and right. You'll have uh, red lights shown upon you and other creepy uh, police state things. It all, a lot of it comes down from the drug war. The drug war is the the police's excuse to do all manner of just outrageous infringements upon people's liberty. But let me give you a little more about this uh, headless uh, situation that is developing. Former DEA supervisor Phil Jordan says all three beheadings have cartel written all over them. They happened in Arizona and Oklahoma within the last year. A murder mystery is now unraveling on a stretch of North Reservation Road in Tucson, Arizona County, where workers uh, county workers found a headless man lying on the side of the road January 6th. The man's hands and feet were reportedly missing as well. Jordan says it would lead me to believe the message wanted to be sent. This is one of the ways they do it in Mexico, Colombia, and other places. He says the cartels are getting bolder in carrying out their beheadings across the border, and he says we used to only see these crimes in Mexico. 
More than 600 miles from the border, a 19-year-old human trafficking victim was found beheaded in Oklahoma. Karina Saunders was stuffed into a bag and left in a grocery store parking lot. Jordan says people know if they got on the wrong side of the fence that they will be dealt with. The police chief in the area says two men running the trafficking ring killed Saunders to send a message to the other victims. Jordan says the cartel's calling card is all over this case. Trafficking and smuggling are their top moneymakers because they're illegal. So as long as drugs remain illegal, the cartels will will continue to make billions of dollars and they will continue their uh, cycle of violence. And even if you were to legalize drugs tomorrow, as long as people are illegal in that it's illegal to come here without filling out the government papers first and they, you know, they call them so-called illegal aliens – these people are also a product. They're absolutely they're in demand. People and and now they're victims too. Right. Didn't you say it was the uh, person trafficking victim who was the one who was beheaded and had his hands and feet uh, cut off? In, That's right. In order to send a message to the other ones that what they they better shut their mouths. They better not say say anything about this. Well, a lot of times when and we can talk more about this here in a moment. Uh, but a lot of times when you're dealing with uh, if you're somebody who's coming up as a uh, someone who's being trafficked. If you want to get to the U.S. and you want to, uh, you know, make a new life here, your own, and it feels like your only option is to use, you know, the cartel's trafficking service. There are certain terms that come along with that mm. agreement. Eight five five four fifty free. Tell you more about it in a moment. Here you can take control. Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Talk Live, you can bring up whatever you want. Dial in to the toll-free number, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features on the site, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as $3 per month. We'll take that $3 in and invest it in Free Talk Live, getting on more radio stations around the country. I've been busily on the phones the last couple of days calling stations because, good news, Lou Dobbs is quitting his radio show. Hey. Uh, Lou Dobbs is like some TV personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes these TV guys come on and they try their hand at radio and they get tired of it usually after a certain period of time. Uh, to Lou Dobbs' credit, he lasted longer than the average Hollywood person coming into radio. Some of them don't even make it their first year before they call it quits. Uh, so he's calling it quits, and of course his reason is he wants to focus on his TV show. So goodbye to you, Lou. We'll uh, be happy to take as many of your affiliates as possible. Uh, so if you happen to be uh, somebody who is a listener of your local talk station, you know that they carry Lou Dobbs, call them up and tell them you want to hear Free Talk Live uh, instead. Now would be a good time to do that. Uh, so anyway, you, you can become an amplifier and help us do the marketing that it takes to reach out to these radio stations. Because believe it or not, I still call – most of the stations I call have never heard of Free Talk Live. So you know, even though we've got over 100 radio stations, they're just 
you know, we don't have millions and millions of dollars with which to actively promote a radio, uh, this radio show. You know, we've got a few grand coming in per month from from AMP, and, and that's great, and I appreciate every single dollar that comes in. Uh, but obviously, you know, there's more work that needs to be done. There's more marketing that uh, that we can do, and you can help us with that and get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only podcast, forum, and more. Just get the details and get signed up with any major credit card or... You can use uh, Visa or MasterCard right on our website. You can use any major credit card through PayPal over at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And if you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, get in touch with SACL CAI. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients too. SACL CAI. You can see their banner at the top of our banner column over at freetalklive.com. Derek J. with me tonight. Good evening, sir. Hello. We are talking about the cartels and the beheadings that are now apparently crossing the border. Americans used to feel safe from beheadings because they always were happening down in Mexico where there's a little bit more cartel activity than there is, uh, at least obviously, in the States. But it's starting to change. The beheadings are now coming across the border. There's a news piece from uh, KRGV Television, and that's out of Rio Grande Valley, Texas, where three beheadings have been found in Arizona and Oklahoma within the last year. And people who know these things are saying that this looks like cartel work, that the way the, these folks have been handled, the way the beheadings were discovered and all that, uh, looks points to cartel activity. And but I think it was important what you pointed out earlier that n- it's likely none of this would be happening if not for the horrors of prohibition of certain substances and right. uh, prohibition of humans who you know aren't aren't considered legal by the federal government uh, who then become commodities for these uh, cartels to push along. Exactly. So just like they're smuggling drugs into the country, the cartels are also running human beings into this country as well because there's a fair demand. Even though the U.S. is cracking down in many ways on immigration, it's still a better place to live than a lot of other places in the world. And so as long as it's not a worse hellhole than the place from which they come, they will continue to come here. And unfortunately, there are people that would like to turn America into a hellhole, so therefore no one will want to come here anymore. That's not the country I want to live in. I want to live in a a place where people can come and be free and come from around the world and it doesn't matter who they are, how much money they have or any of that. They should just be able to come and, and, and be free and work and you know make a better life for themselves. Here, but, here. But because they aren't free to do those things, there are prohibitions on people coming here. The cartels have decided that they're going to assist people in coming here. And most of the time, it probably works out without them having to employ violence against the people that they're trafficking. Because ultimately, the way it tends to work, as I understand it, I'm no expert. I, I'm not a human smuggler. But, you know, I've heard a few things over the over the years. And as I understand it, the basic idea is it's like indentured servitude. So you make a deal with the cartel, you're going to either pay them in cash to get you across the border, in which case then you probably will be released, or you're going to have to make an agreement with them that you're going to work for them. 
or work for one of the people they know, or they'll, you know, hire you out to someone and you'll work for them or something like that. You know, maybe you'll be cleaning a house or who knows what could be any kind of, it could be any kind of work. Right. And so then these innocent people become pawns in a, a, you know, a criminal institution of, uh, that employs violence as one of its methods. So that's, that's awfully scary. It is. It must be very frightening. Uh, you know, you're dealing with scary people likely all the way down the line from the people that you originally make the deal with to whoever transports you there. And then the people that if you are being kept, you know, you're like a kept person, like an indentured serv- uh, servant would be. They're probably not treating you very well either because they know that you can't leave. They know that if they treat you poorly, that if you leave, they'll just report that you've left to the cartel and or ICE the the fed, the feds and either way if you leave your uh your agreement then well you might end up being the next beheading victim to send a message to all of those who might be coming after you my goodness i mean it's it's just so terrible to hear about these things and uh, i want it to stop I, I hope you do too and i can only see the government as being the what the cause of this situation, right? Because it's not like the cartels would have any interest in sending that sort of message, like "oh, go against us and and uh, you'll you'll be beheaded," if there weren't the business of being able to traffic humans in the first place. Yeah. It's so frustrating that the government that writes all these laws to supposedly protect people is the one that's causing these beheadings indirectly, in, in my view. And how many of them in the government realize that I don't know? I know that there are a number of people in the war on drugs who are fighting the war on drugs knowing that it's futile. They know that it's pointless. I've talked to a former DEA agent who was totally aware while he was in the DEA that what he was doing was completely pointless. But, you know, it was a paycheck. Well, people just want freedom so badly. I mean, can you imagine putting yourself in in the shoes of someone who wants uh, more freedom to come to America? You've heard all of these wonderful things about how free people are here. And then taking the risk to associate with these dangerous people all the way up. It's just amazing the the passion that uh, people have to bring their selves and their families to a better place. Why wouldn't you want to have people with that kind of passion for freedom here? Why would anyone want to throw those people out of this country? I, I, I can't think of a, a good reason at all. I think immigra- it's, immigrate. Right. There is no uh, good reason. It's just jealousy. It's just misunderstanding, misinformation, bigotry, uh, all of those things you know, rolled into uh, various different mixes for different people. But it's it's ignorance. I mean, just just to really drum it down to its essence, it's ignorance. The only reason why someone wouldn't support open immigration is you just don't you just don't know all the facts. And I used to be somebody who didn't get that issue back in the uh, many many years ago. It was like one of the last issues that I came along on, and the ideas of liberty was. I don't know why I thought the way I thought before. I just heard things, you know. Well, there's there's another mix to this, which is uh, the the welfare state. A lot of people. Uh, that I've heard who are against immigration claim that people are just coming over here to suck up the welfare checks, mm. which I, I haven't seen that uh, been the experience of the people who have immigrated that I've met. Me neither. They're very hardworking, not taking welfare. Yep. Um, but I, I can see that's another government-caused problem that's that's causing uh, deaths. You know, people are trying to come over. If if they are trying to take the welfare, well then. 
gosh, maybe welfare isn't such a great idea. <laughs> Investigators, by the way, in Chandler, Arizona, say cartel operatives came from Mexico to kill 38-year-old Martin Alejandro Cota Monroy. His beheaded body was found in his apartment. One is too many. Two is too many. Three should send an alarm, says the former investigator. He says investigators were too late to stop the killings three times in the last 12 months. Jordan says agents are trying to develop more informants to get to the cartels before they can commit the crimes. He says they will only specifically target their victims and aren't interested in random beheadings. That much is true. Uh, But all that said... This is not going to solve the problem. Trying no. after the fact uh, to deal with this is not going to solve the problem. You have to strike the root, and the root is prohibition. And until prohibition ends, you're going to see more killings. You're going to see more more families being torn apart, and it's just tragic. And, and it's another force-based solution as opposed to a freedom-based right. solution. one 450 free the SACL CAI tool free line. You can take control of the airwaves, and there's only one guy in the uh, national debates who's even going to come close to talking about ending the war on drugs, and that's, of course, Ron Paul. Uh, Of course, we'll keep you up to date on what's going on with him. More on the way here. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Hour number three is next. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can bring up anything you want. And the toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have there for you. You can actually control the content of the site as well. So all of the items that you see on the main page over at freetalklive.com, they're created by listeners like you. If it weren't for our listeners, we would have nothing on the front page of the website. So it's all you. In fact, the top story right now we discussed uh, last night on the program, Rand Paul being detained by the TSA yesterday. That's the number one story at the moment. And you can change what's the number one story by voting on the ones you like and voting down the, the ones you dislike and submitting new uh, new news items to the website. It doesn't have to be news, though. It could be a YouTube video. It could be something fun. Uh, whatever you think our listeners will enjoy. You submit it as show prep, and then uh, you get to vote on things uh, in the most voted up. Make it to the top of the site. Over at freetalklive.com. Joining you this evening, it's Ian here. And Derek J. All right, so our number again, 855-450-FREE. Coming up, Derek J., you'll be telling us about drones. We've mentioned it in the past, and it's not going away. It's a problem that is not going away. This is something you're going to see more of. You're going to hear more about. Uh, the drones, last time we talked about it, was in Houston, where uh, was I think Houston was the first city, at least that we've heard about, that was doing uh, drone tests and flying these, yes, the same kind of drones that are in Afghanistan and Iraq that are being used to, uh, you know, murder people mm-hmm. are now going to be used to 
protect you and to keep you safe, just like the red light cameras and the creepy red lights that we were talking about earlier in the show. It's all for your own good. Why do you people get so uppity about all this? So we're going to get to that here in a moment, uh, 855-450-FREE, about how the drones are spreading to other cities around uh, around the U.S. So stay tuned for that, 855-450-3733. Let's go to uh, the phones and the fun first, though, and we'll talk to West Virginia. WVTS listener Kurt is on the line. Kurt, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Derek J. Good evening. Uh, yeah, good evening. Um, I, I have a, a question, but it's also kind of an observation. Okay. Um, it has to do with uh, why the primaries are so far spread apart. Mm-hmm. Because it seems to me that uh, in them being so far spread apart, it gives candidates that might not poll well in New Hampshire or Iowa, uh, it puts them at a disadvantage. Say they might do well in a later state. Uh, if the If the primaries were on the same day, wouldn't that be more of a fair shot to them? I'm not uh, sure. I'm not sure what you mean. How is it more of a fair shot? Uh, well, I mean, just because someone doesn't pull well in New Hampshire doesn't mean they're not going to do well in, say, Texas. And if they... Uh, oh, so if, if, if people in if, Texas if couldn't they, see the results from New Hampshire, you're saying uh, it would be a, a more uh, fair impression because they, they aren't uh, getting a perspective from... The New Hampshire lens first. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, I, I can see that. Yeah, it seems yeah, a little I, more I fair to do it that way. I see where you're coming from. On the other hand, if the uh, the states are staggered in their dates, it gives the candidates more of a chance to focus on one particular state at a time as far as campaigning is concerned. And and that can lead to you know a diff- different results over time. I don't know if there's one way that's that's necessarily better than the other. I, I'm not really, I don't really have a strong feeling either way on, on the matter. Okay, well, I mean, I see the point that you made there, and I, I hadn't thought about that before, how campaigning would be different as well. Well, thank you for... But all, that's, for all that said, there is, you know, still the Super Tuesday or whatever they call it, where there's a bunch of states that have their primary on the same day. So, well, you know, they, they aren't all staggered, and they're not all on the same day either, so it's kind of a mix of the two. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But I'm saying, for instance, say Michelle Bachman, uh, because she didn't do well in Iowa and New Hampshire, or I don't remember when she dropped out, to be honest. But I think it was right after Iowa. she didn't do well. For instance, what if she had done, if they were all on the same day, she would be in the ballot in other states where she might have pulled better. Yeah, I hear that, and then she might still be sticking around. And, well, uh, which I don't really appreciate. I mean, because I, I like that they're dropping out, personally. I think that's very useful when it comes to Ron Paul. Um, you know, from my perspective, political campaigns are not about winning. I mean, because at the national level, it's very unlikely you're going to win. Uh, maybe on a local level, you actually have a chance if you're in a place like New Hampshire where campaigns can be very, very uh, ground, uh, you know, grassroots and and uh, very affordable for people to campaign. But on a national level, it's it's very unlikely. Uh, Ron Paul, I mean, not that I would be sad if Ron Paul won. It'd be great, good for, I think, a lot of things. But it's all about the message. And Ron Paul undeniably is going to be more effective today than he was six months ago when there were, what, nine people in the race or something like that. Now there are four people in the race, and soon, likely, another one will probably drop out. I I highly doubt they will all continue on through to the convention. So you're probably going to see somebody like Rick Santorum, who's not doing as well in the polls. Uh, He's probably going to drop out, which means it's a three-man race, two status and one Ron Paul. 
And uh, the more that that can get whittled down, the better. And so from that perspective, I guess I will say that I do have a preference. The more spread out the primaries are, the more likely these guys are going to drop out right out the gate and uh, or earlier on rather than later. And that means more room for Ron Paul to be interviewed, more room for Ron Paul to make it into uh, to television and other news reports, uh, and more Ron Paul during the debates, of which there's going to be another one coming up uh, in a couple of days. So that's my perspective on that, Kurt. Anything else you want to share? Uh, thank, uh, no, thank you for, for your opinion, and I see straight where you're coming from, and I thank you for uh, your time and having me on the show. Well, good to have you. Thanks for the call, Kurt. Appreciate hearing from you. 855-450-FREE. Let's continue uh, with William in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Derek J. Hello, William. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's Hello. on your mind tonight? Uh, yeah, I hope Ron Paul wins. For the first time ever, I feel like he's different than any other politician and presidential, especially. He sure is, and I think a lot of people have acknowledged that. I, even uh, Stephen Colbert the other night gave him a, basically an, endor- an endorsement uh, during one of his interviews. Yeah, I did watch some of the debate last night, and I just couldn't believe that the Republicans were like, oh, yeah, we want to make English the official language of the U.S., and uh, I don't know. I just thought that was weird. But that, it was one that's of those, a weird thing to focus on. It, well, it's one of those pandering issues where Ron Paul did not answer as I would like, you know, and the ultimate liberty-minded person did not. I, I don't think saying that English should be the national language is necessarily uh, a liberty perspective at all. I think that Ron Paul is guilty it's to some extent of pandering a little bit. I feel like he's not pandering as much as he did in the 2008 race this time around. But the immigration issue was his main pandering issue last time around, and it still is his uh, his main pandering issue. Where like, you know, I'm not exactly entirely enthused. Normally, when Ron Paul talks about issues, I'm like, yeah, buddy, that's great. It, you know, my heart swells, and like, it, it's it's great to see this happening on national TV. But at least with the uh, the the English as a language issue, he did defer to the states. So he right. did point out that uh, you know, if Florida wants to print ballots in two languages, then that's their that should be their decision to make. And the, the federal government should have nothing to say about it. So that's, his position wasn't as objectionable as the others. That's exactly what I uh, love about Ron Paul's answers is that he sticks to the constitutionality of things. And so while he may not have the answer that I want, leaving it to the states is certainly a, a freedom answer. Hey, is this Derek? Yes. Yes, Mr. Hey, William. Hey, Derek Jay, How are you doing? I'm great, William. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm good. All right, can we skip yeah, the pleasantries? What did you have for Derek Jay? Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. I, I it wasn't about him. I was just didn't know he was on on until he started talking. And uh, I recognized his voice. I see. Every and, Tuesday night, Derek J is on the air on Free Talk Live. Yes, and the great uh, thing okay. about Ron Paul, since you you brought him up, is that he has been so different. Uh, a lot of celebrities and uh, people are taking attention, like Colbert, you mentioned earlier, because everyone wants. I, I won't speak for everyone, but uh, people want change, uh, as we saw in the last election, and. This is a candidate who is different from yes, any clearly. other candidate. I don't see why the Republicans aren't getting that uh, different is good. William, I think you were calling for some other reason, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. Stick with us. We'll bring you back here in a moment. Oh, it's fun to talk about Ron Paul. Uh, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. And, you know, uh, Derek J., even people that disagree with Ron Paul, they are some of the people who are saying at least he's consistent. Like, you there's no guessing as far as where Ron Paul's going to be on an issue. He doesn't just blow with the wind. More coming up here. This is Free Talk Live at 855-450-FREE. 
On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want. Toll-free number 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line joining you tonight. It's Ian here. And Derek J. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We've got a webcam. You can watch, listen, and interact. The chat room is built into the same page uh, over at cam.freetalklive.com. That's cam.freetalklive.com. And like all the other features on our site, it is free. So go on over to cam.freetalklive.com and enjoy. And if you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, visit manventureoutpost.com. They've got knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment, just to name a few. Manventureoutpost.com, our family-owned and members in good standing at the Better Business Bureau. Some prices are so low, we can't even tell you what they are. But you'll also get an additional 5% off if you use coupon code FTL at checkout. That's coupon code FTL, like Free Talk Live. Get it quick and get it from manventureoutpost.com. William is back with us in Texas. Go ahead with what you're calling about tonight, William. Okay. The one thing I'd like to say is that it seemed like Newt and other guys wanted to pass laws about English language. And I don't think Brian was advocating that at all. But we can move on if that's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, the other day, uh, on Saturday, I believe, you were talking about a woman who let her 10- or 11-year-old boy get a tattoo. Yes, sir. Uh, in, in memory of his son, or of his, of his brother, I mean. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, they arrested her and whatever. Um, uh, so, personally, I've got an 8-year-old, and I would do whatever I could in my power to talk him out of one or, or have him wait, I should say. Uh, I'm 30. Five, about to be 36. I'd like to have a tattoo. I just don't know what I want on my body forever. But anyway, uh, I, I would have tried to talk him out of it. And I'll say this. I'm surprised, or did anyone make the tie-in that that's not okay to give your 10- or 11-year-old a tattoo or allow him to get one, but it is okay to circumcise him. Hmm. Uh, Great point. And, and, yeah, and personally, I mean, I've got mixed feelings about it, but ultimately, I believe, I don't know, it's, I, it's a, I think it's the person's choice. I'm talking about the person being circumcised. Right. At, at least the tattoo has somewhat of a clearer message and, uh, you know, doesn't remove nerve endings. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at, like I said, I'm, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a huge fan of a 10-year-old getting a tattoo and everything, but, right. but it's... But how come that's not okay? But well, you can take a razor blade to his penis and make some adjustments. Uh, nobody cares. Everybody thinks that's cool. You I know? think it's a very salient point. And William, thanks for calling to make it tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Yeah, not only is uh, butchering a child's penis completely uh, socially acceptable in this uh, this country, it's also wide uh, widespread and and it's also unusual when compared to the rest of the world. That don't they don't do that stuff in Europe? But if that's what you want to do to your kids, then hmm, 
it's none of my business what you do with your kids. I disagree with it. And I also think it's a bad idea to get a 10-year-old a tattoo as well. But again, if you want to do that to your kids, yeah, that's your business. I'm not going to take your kids away from you because I, I disagree with your parenting styles. I wonder if people would have a, uh, less of an objection to giving a child a tattoo if it happened at the same time as circumcision. <laughs> if it happened you know, around the same time of, of birth, then um, perhaps that would be a little more acceptable. I mean, kids crying anyway or removing a part of his body. What's so a little more pain? <laughs> Let's go to Anthony listening in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live. Anthony with Ian and Derek J. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. How are you tonight? Oh, super. Hello. What's, what's on your mind? Well, I'd like to ask about your, your thoughts on the ACTA uh, legislation. It's currently, or the ACTA treaty, I guess, currently making its way through Europe and uh, might be coming here to the U.S. in the near future. Uh, I haven't heard any discussion, or at least I don't think I've heard any discussion about it on the program, and I uh, kind of wanted to get your input on it. Well, we did hear somebody mentioned it the other night. It's apparently some other uh, Internet regulation thing. Right. It's being called SOPA on steroids, where SOPA really kind of affected just the United States. Um, ACTA is kind of a copyright convention that's going to be an international thing. So, oh, boy. Uh, in, yeah, it's basically all the different countries agreeing to to enforce like a unilateral, uh, a unilateral law uh, to kind of protect rights and stuff like that. So like an international copyright law, essentially? Right, right, exactly. And, and I know that there are certain parts of Europe that are going to be voting on it next month. Uh, there's a, there's a huge. I mean, it, it has potentially huge uh, implications for the internet um, and even free software and things like that. So uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to kind of figure out where people stand on it and find out a lot of people don't even know about it. Yeah, I wow. have to I have to say I don't know a whole lot about it, Derek J. Are you yeah, t- this is news to me. But where could global governance go wrong? <laughs> oh, of course not. No, there's never anything wrong with that. You know, the wisdom of the crowd. So. <laughs> well, I would say, I mean, just based on what I've heard about it, it sounds awful. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know what all the details are, but if it's worse than SOPA, then I would hope that the Internet community will come out and oppose it as vociferously, if not more so, as they have done uh, with SOPA. Absolutely. And and it's one of those things where, you know, it, it, if it's I, – it, I don't know how, how – how much opposition is going to matter at this point, because it seems like it's a pretty done deal, at least in certain parts of Europe. Uh, some countries are actually being threatened um, as far as if they don't sign on, there's going to be uh, penalties and things like that. Oh, so, boy. you know, I think in, in our case, um, you know, it's going to be a done deal even in the U.S. because, uh, you know, we're we're all into, you know, that uh, oppression of freedom and things like that. So, uh, but at least, you know, get the word, you know, trying to get the word out and, and get people to, uh, at least call somebody yeah. before it comes here. Well, let's talk. Let's talk more about it here. And Anthony, thanks for the heads up. I appreciate it. Uh, ACTA, according to Wikipedia, is a proposed plurilateral agreement for the purpose of establishing international standards on intellectual property rights enforcement. So, I mean, it, I'm I'm against it already. And who's on, going to be doing the enforcement there, Anthony? Is it going to be the UN who steps in? He's already gone. But oh, uh, the, they will be creating a new governing body outside of international institutions, such as the wrong? World Trade Organization, the World Intellectual Property Organization, or the United Nations. So it will not be the UN. It will be a new organization of some sort. Negotiating countries have described it as a response to the, quote, increase in global trade of counterfeit goods and pirated copyright protected works unquote the scope of acta includes counterfeit goods generic medicines and copyright infringement on the internet groups such as uh, the electronic frontier foundation oppose acta stating that civil society groups and developing countries were excluded from discussion during acta's development in an example of what they call policy laundering 
According to an analysis by the Free Software Foundation, ACTA would require that existing Internet service providers no longer host free software that can access copyrighted media, and DRM-protected media would not be legally playable with free or open-source software. Uh, Opponents also criticize ACTA's removal of legal safeguards that protect Internet service providers from liability for their actions or for their subscribers' actions. So they're talking about making it so your internet service provider could be held legally liable for you downloading a movie off of the internet, which of course would make them much more likely to become the government's enforcement arm of Mm. this copyright legislation. Mm -hmm. By the way, this has been in the works since uh, as early as 2006 in the United States and Japan. Other countries are uh, involved in talks at this point. So yeah, this sounds, sounds pretty bad. Well, real bad. I, I would just hope that uh, the people, the online community who has uh, spoken out against SOPA would speak out against ACTA in the same way and find loopholes and ways around uh, the ways that they're cracking down. Hopefully, we'll uh, keep you informed as we learn more and don't hesitate to uh, inform us as well at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Obviously, there's a lot more to learn about this, and I would start on that Wikipedia article as, uh, as a beginning point if you would like to learn more. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest Liberty Forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line 1-855-450-3733. And joining you here tonight, it's Ian. And Derek J. Don't forget, you can visit us online over at freetalklive.com. Go to sign up for our news updates at news.freetalklive.com. We've got emailed updates we can send you. Also, Twitter and Facebook. Those are the different ways you can be kept in touch with the show. Uh, Go to news.freetalklive.com. Get signed up for whatever works best for you. That's news.freetalklive.com. Derek J., what flavor is currently on your Vaporsmith's e-cigarette. It is clove, clove. full flavor. Uh, now, clove's one of the only ones that isn't available in lower than full nicotine, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But most of the flavors over at Vaporsmith's, uh, vanilla, there's so many different, uh, cherry, strawberry, most of these flavors are available in different levels of nicotine. So there's there's the uh, the full, there's like a mid-range one, and there's a low, an ultralight. Uh, so there's different levels of nicotine, which actually could allow you, in theory, to uh, step down your use of nicotine over time it's an e-cigarette meaning there's no smoke it's vapor it's essentially you know it's boiled nicotine rather than smoked uh plant material and it's it's brilliant it's beautiful and it smells good too it tastes good it smells good there's none of that nonsense with secondhand smoke you're not going to be upsetting people if you're sitting across a table from them with this you're probably not going to upset anybody even if you're in a closed car uh with one of these things because they're so pleasant absolutely there's, there's no i can't imagine anyone would find the smell of the vaporsmith's e-cigarette as unpleasant it's just 
wonderful product, and it can help you get off of the cigarettes. It can help you transition away from using smoke and moving into vapor, and then down the line you can uh, taper off the nicotine till you're down to next to nothing and quit whenever you feel like it. Some people aren't aren't using this to quit. They're just using it to stop smoking. So they continue their nicotine habit, but are continuing it in a much more safe manner uh, than previously. And again, there's the whole the whole benefit of not having stinky uh, stinky mouth or stinky clothes and a stinky house. You know, yeah, this this concerned about teeth problems. also. Right. Uh, so this solves those problems, and the price is right. It's free. When you buy 40 cartomizers over at Vaporsmiths.com, you get the free starter kit, which gives you two Vaporsmiths e-cigarettes. So you always have one that can be charged. You've always got one that you can use. And uh, the 40 cartomizers are going to keep you busy for a long time because one cartomizer is the equivalent, essentially, of a pack of cigarettes. So if you're a -a pack-a-day smoker, like a lot of smokers are, some smoke more than a -a pack-a-day, you'll save probably $120 a month simply by making the transition to the Vaporsmiths.com e-cigarette. Use our code FTL as your coupon code to get the free standard starter kit when you buy more than 40, 40 cartomizers or more. And you'll get free shipping on all orders over 60 bucks. So call them at 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. 855-2-GET-VAPOR, Vaporsmiths.com. As we go to the phones and your thoughts, Scott, listening in New York to WNYY in Ithaca. Hey, how's it going? This is Scott Noren from Ithaca. I... um. I'm an oral surgeon, so I actually like the electronic cigarettes as a temporary, you know, measure to try to stop smoking. So excellent. As as opposed to, um, you know, I'm running for U.S. Senate, and the person who I'm running against is represented Philip Morris uh, originally. So we're kind of we're different on that. I was going to talk about something else, but I wanted to mention something about the SOPA thing. Yes. Um, you know what we have in the Congress is people that, in general support bills that maybe sound okay on the surface and they're poorly written otherwise, just like the Defense Reauthorization Act. Or the Protecting Children from Online Pornographers Act. Sure. Yeah, and so it's people not really doing their homework and you really want those people to continue. And so my whole argument, even against Ms. Gillibrand, is that, you know, so she co-sponsored the bill, but even after she found out that it was a crappy bill for you know, internet neutrality and everything like that. She waited until she got a few hundred thousand dollars from Hollywood and then kept it going. So my whole point is... This is the woman that you're running against? ...in office that aren't connected. I'm running for U.S. Senate. I'm I'm actually going to run as an independent because I'm a Democrat, but the the Democratic Party doesn't want to challenge her. I see. And I'm totally against SOPA. I, I think there are some people that do feel, like myself, that... There are some things that, you know, were against piracy of an artist's material and everything like that. But if you're going to do something like that, then you have to write it so carefully that it's not going to infringe on Internet neutrality. I mean, it has to be written the right way. So, Scott, are you using your platform to bring attention to the SOPA bill? Is that one of your main issues that you uh, do outreach about? One of my issues, I mean, I'm I'm against fracking. I mean, I have a lot of different issues. I, my idea of a jobs bill is like different than probably a lot of people. It's not, there's not any one big fix for, for every single problem. Well, okay. So but you seem I'm, to I'm accept the idea of, corporations, you seem to accept the idea of intellectual property. So I guess I'm wondering what you would like to see. What I'd like to see, like if there was a bill that would, was um, protecting artists against you know, piracy. Well, that's the, that's the claim. So yeah, what would you like to see? I'd rather see like a five page bill that 
you know, was a stepping stone bill. In other words, this is a specific thing that we want to stop, and um, maybe it's a it's a particular practice that's going on. Uh, you know, where you know there's some Chinese market that's ripping off American artists or whatever, and this is a mechanism to stop that, whatever. But just a little stepping stone approaches instead of saying we're going to solve the world's problem and we're the United States and we're going to write some bill. So what do you? I mean, what would you, you know, like to see happen? What would you like to see happen huh? to, to people that uh, that that share files? Because uh, to me, it's just sharing. It's not piracy. P- piracy is a violent thing. Uh, piracy is. Well, gen- no. What, I, what I'm saying is, if you you know, like a, like a, let's say an artist, like a you know performer. The thing that they have to sell, you know, there's there's two different ways that they can sell their product. The product they can go into a concert and people pay pay for money for tickets, right? And so they sell it that way, or they can sell records. I think you know by down by being able to download music on an iPad and and those kind of things, I think they have improved their way of still making money off of that and having you know you know obviously you know making some money, and that that's a help. But I think if you sell your album and you want to sell it in the store, um, it, it, you know, why shouldn't somebody just walk out of the store with the album and just say, well, it's well, that's stealing. free on the Internet. So why can't I just, you know, well, walk that, because, out of the store? Well, the reason it? why is because that's stealing, because you're taking somebody else's uh, property. Whereas if I you copy something on the Internet, on the it internet. is not stolen because I have copied it. And Scott, right. Scott are there but already I mean, laws in point, place to convict people of sharing files? What's that? Are there already laws in place to convict people of sharing files? Yeah, I think there are, actually. So what would your five-page bill entail if there are already laws to convict people of this? What do you want that's extra? It's not as much as people sharing files. I'm talking about, you know, like a CD that's produced and then it's shipped out to another country and then copied and sold. So I'm talking about physical more like physical property. I'm not talking as much about file sharing. Uh-huh. The file sharing is still a problem. I think it's still a problem, though, when you have, you know, 10,000 CDs that get shipped to China and sold. So does file sharing become a crime? And... In your mind, is file sharing a crime once somebody puts those files onto a CD? Um, not. An, I think if somebody's just, you know, for friendly purposes, you know, file sharing... I don't really see that as a, a real big problem. I do see it as a problem when somebody's making an entire business out of it and kind of taking advantage of an artist in that way. I, I don't, I don't really particularly agree with that. I, I see where you're coming from, and I think that's one of the stronger arguments uh, that you know somebody who is uh, using the other artist, the artist's work to profit by selling bootlegs on the on the street. I can see that, but I don't see it as anything that I want to have my money spent. Uh, you know, putting someone in a cage over that. Uh, if I want I to buy put somebody a CD, in a cage, like if let's say one of you guys, you know, had this great album, and you said. Hey Scott, I, I'd like to copy this well, album I have, for you. I don't, I don't, I'm I not a really musician, cool. but if somebody wanted to put Free Talk Live on a disc and sell it on the street, why would I care about that? Isn't the promotion yeah, good? To promote your show. Yeah. So anyway, thank you, Scott. I appreciate hearing from you. And also, as somebody who is the buyer of a product like that. If I want to make sure I'm getting the collectible that's the actual genuine article, I'm not going to buy from the guy selling it out of the, you know, his coat on the street. I just know, I know that's not the, the way you get the genuine article. More coming up, Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
moments remain here. Enough time for you and your thoughts. If you dial in now to 855-450-FREE, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features we give to you there. Freetalklive.com. And if you want, you can support uh, the show. You can go to promote.freetalklive.com. Learn how to get a free bumper sticker, download free web graphics, banners. Uh, high-res graphics are also available for you as well. You can make your own Free Talk Live products like bootleg T-shirts and go out and sell them. I don't care. Go ahead. Make make $100,000 off of this show. I sure I don't know how. So if you can do it, then please. That was my point from earlier uh, with the last caller, Scott and Ithaca. Uh, artists who have a message, wouldn't they benefit from file sharing? Wouldn't that be of interest to them? Wouldn't they support that? Mm-hmm. It seems strange to me that artists would support a bill that would crack down on people who want to share what they have produced. Yeah, I think it's short-sighted. It's, uh, it's, it's based, I think, out of greed. Uh, you were mentioning during the break that I guess Bill Maher was bitching recently because uh, he was upset at people file sharing his movie Religious. Right, and I, I think that's absurd. I mean, Religious, if people enjoy it and if uh, he made it to promote a message, wouldn't he want that message to reach millions more than would be possible if they all had to, you know, shell out whatever he was charging for the DVD? Right, and why can't he see that by it reaching millions more people, it's reaching people who have 20 bucks in their pocket who are willing to go ahead and buy a copy of the film. Right. People who love it are going to buy the DVD. Exactly. That's the short-sighted part, which is why they're really cutting their nose off to spite their face because they're being greedy up front and saying, well, no, it's mine. I'm not going to let you have it. And then uh, and by not letting people have it, they're effectively not spreading their memes. They're not spreading their ideas. And therefore, they're not allowing people to sample their product. They're not... If they're not, they're they're cutting off half of their possible potential marketing by uh, by not embracing it. Smart distributors are putting their films, in my opinion, they're putting their films online for free right up front. They're they're cutting off the whole process. There was a somebody emailed me, and this is worth I think talking about. Uh, somebody emailed me the other day, and I haven't had a chance to watch it at all, but I I think it sounds great. Uh, Cody Hall emails saying that there's a new movie out called The Ultimate History Lesson: A Weekend with John Taylor Gatto. Now, if mm-hmm. you've listened to the show, you know we've talked about John Taylor Gatto before. I think he's in his 80s now. Former New York State and New York City School Teacher of the Year came out. After getting all these awards for being a great teacher, came out against the school system, the government school system, and has been speaking out ever since. And he's got a lot of really important things to say. So these guys put together a five-hour professional-looking documentary, which is basically an interview with John Taylor Gatto. And they put it online on YouTube. You can go and watch all five hours online on YouTube. And if you like it, you can go to their website and buy it on Blu-ray or buy it on DVD. Yeah, and that would be the way to share it. If if you see this movie and then like the message, you know that a lot of school teachers aren't going to go watch a YouTube movie, so then go out and buy it for those teachers who you think would benefit from information like this. Or for for students. I mean, it's not necessarily for teachers, but for anybody that's, that's that right. wants, wants, you know, what it's called. They call it the ultimate history lesson. And so, like I'm saying, you know, put it out there right out right out the gate. In fact, some people even torrent their own 
uh, again, you know, kind of visionary people that are embracing the new methods of distribution, they're going to be the ones that create the torrent that distributes their film, which is smart because then you can add an at like an advertisement into it where it might flash at the bottom third, for instance, every so often, like, hey, you can order this on DVD on this website. If you create your own torrent for your own movie, you own the, the content of that torrent rather than just putting it out on DVD and hoping a bunch of people buy it and trying to crack down on the people that aren't buying it and then somebody rips the dvd to torrent and the ripped version isn't going to have an advertisement in it the ripped version is just going to be the you know the commercial dvd copy whereas if you put your own torrent up why is that someone else going to put a torrent up you've already put the torrent online so there's no reason for them to do the ripping there's no reason for them to torrent it you've cut all that off at the beginning it sounds smart and it sounds like good business to me you know another good business is uh, what wise food is doing uh wisefoodstorage.com is where you can go to to hook yourself up and your family with some delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna and savory stroganoff. They're packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. This is something that every family, or even if you're not a family, even if you're just you know a single person or a couple, uh, you know it's a good thing to have some food around in the event of something going wrong. You never know what's going to happen. Maybe you're going to lose your job. Maybe you've got a you know a natural disaster that you'll have to deal with. It's never a bad idea to have food around, and this is some really good food. Try it for yourself. Get a free entree sample over at wisefoodstorage.com. And uh, you can also, of course, use promo code FTL when you're ready to place an order and get free shipping on any order. doesn't matter what the size is. You can literally order a pallet full of food from these people, and they're going to ship it to you for free if you use code FTL. Their number is 855-FOODWISE. That's 855-FOODWISE, and their website is is wisefoodstorage.com. Get over there, get that free entree sample, and try it for yourself. You'll see we're not BSing you about the quality. So 855-450-FREE is the number here. We were going to talk about drones. Yeah, I have a drone story. It's about uh, New York City, and it looks like they're unveiling plans to put drones over the city, get some eyes in the sky, protect the people from themselves, protect the police officers from those who may be dangerous. Um, Are they going to have missiles attached to them too? Well, the story doesn't say. This comes from CBS uh, New York, and they're just uh, covering a story from Gay City News, uh, which posted an email that says it acquired through the Freedom of Information Act. And it reveals uh, what Commissioner Ray Kelly had uh, said openly in an interview earlier, uh, which is, in an extreme situation, you would have some means to take down a plane. Uh, that raised a lot more <laughs> raised a okay. lot more questions than answers for people. And that does sound like a missile, then, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. And so, you know, these drones are already being used by law enforcement in other cities. Uh, people may have seen the footage from the protests happening in Poland a few months ago, uh, shot by a small drone that could fly a few dozen hmm. feet right over the heads of the crowd and the police. And it's high-resolution cameras. They can scan license plates. They can, you know, get a clear image of what your face and everything looks like. Um, I I, th- <laughs> I laugh, but it this scares me. I mean, yeah, I, I don't like... Sometimes this. when we're uncomfortable about things, uh, laughter is really the only way to handle it, right? I mean, that's what else can you do? Right. But, I mean, in any other world, you know, if absent the government, if I saw a drone 
peeking into someone's plane, I would, you know, whip out a slingshot. Like, what the heck are you doing, buddy? Like, you're going to snoop around into people's windows? I mean, what, what are you looking for? Uh, little pieces of vegetation that they might be growing? They might be growing flowers, like uh, cannabis, perhaps? So I, Knowing I don't, the cops, they're probably looking for naked uh, girls or something. <laughs> they may, they may yeah. be. And what could stop them? Nothing. Uh, they are the only ones. And if anyone tries to shoot down any of these drones that are you know, committing uh, acts of uh, privacy invasion, then uh, what will happen to them? That will be basically assaulting a police officer, right? Or, it sure you would. Know, essentially the same thing that would happen if you killed a police dog, shoot a, shoot a drone down. They'll charge you with a crime for that. So this has garnered a great reaction from a military vet an Iraq war veteran uh, who has been putting up stickers around New York City that uh, are given the image of authenticity by they look like they are a message like, from the NYPD. Like governmental, yeah. R- right. And um, he <laughs> operated drones. Wait, is in, he using their the logo? Army? Uh, yeah, I believe so. It Sometimes says, they get really upset about that. They'll call that, like, uh, you know, basically, intim- or they're like kind of ripping off the government's logos and such, and they get very upset. Well, it, it does say that he, he did it with the intent of looking like NYPD mm-hmm. warning signs, so he probably just mm-hmm. copied one that they already have online. And it says things like, Attention! Authorized drone strike zone! And <laughs> local statutes enforced by drone! That's so, smart. I that mean, is brilliant. I think it's great because he really knows what these things are about. He operated them uh, for the army, and, you know, objects to their use by civilian police. And, and why wouldn't he? He knows what they can do. Right. Uh, he probably, you know, deployed some of these missiles himself. And mm-hmm. so I, I can imagine he can put himself into the police's shoes and say, wow, they might be tempted to do some, some really naughty apart. things. Why? Yeah, right. Why wouldn't they? I mean, we've seen the police shooting people's dogs. Why wouldn't they use a drone to fly through the streets and kill stray animals or, or you know, set off whatever kind of bombs and, and hurt people? I mean, they, these people can be just out of control, sick people. And for the cost of just a few hundred dollars, these small aircraft drones could be employed in the hundreds. Well, the thousands. good news is you can have your own drone. Uh, we've actually got a guy here in the Keene area that has purchased a drone. So the activists here technically beat the police to the punch. We have the the only drone in Keene that it's I've seen. important to watch the watchers. <laughs> so we can fly our drone over the police lines and fly the, the drone over the police. And, and fly it into territory into which we're banned. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of changes the, the game a little bit. But either way, this is terrible news, and you're going to start to see more about drones in more cities. See you tomorrow night, freetalklive.com. Okay, this is the Free Talk Live Edgington Post, and I am not Mark Edgington. Uh, he is... Well, out this week. He's down in uh, Florida visiting the family, and he wanted to uh, interview, and I, now I will be interviewing, the uh, the gentleman who's the author of In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth. And it's a, a new advertiser on Free Talk Live, and of course we like to get our advertisers on the Edgington Post to uh, to get a little deeper into their uh, their product, what it is they're offering, as opposed to just what you might hear on a 30-second or a 60-second commercial. So, uh, welcome, Paul McConkie, uh, to uh, the program. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, and uh, you are the author of In Plain Sight, and your website, I believe, is wakeupforliberty.com? That's correct. So tell me about yourself, Paul. Um, I'm a former law enforcement officer, both in the Department of Corrections and within Sheriff's Department, uh, uh, two specific Sheriff's Departments. Uh, I'm former military as well in the Marine Corps, and 
about telling telling about myself the you know you know what inspired me to write this book was the contradictions the inconsistencies and all the lies that was being portrayed to me as I was growing up hmm. I I just couldn't understand how somebody could say that we were free but then all these limitations that were being placed upon us. Now, uh, when uh, <clears throat> you said as you were growing up, so when did you get into corrections slash military slash being a police officer? Um, well, I was an electrician for years, and uh, I decided to join the Marine Corps. And it wasn't so much to basically it, – it really wasn't to support this country. It, I, I felt that I needed some discipline and – the military, specifically the Marine Corps, was going to give me that discipline. And when I went into the Marine Corps, I found that I had a lot more discipline than a lot of people uh, claim to have. Hmm. And so it was, it was probably in my early 20s when I, joined the, when I joined the military. And then years after that, being in the computer field, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I dumped into the computer field. And then soon thereafter... I felt that there was something extremely wrong, and I wanted to get the inside track, so I decided to to go into law enforcement, and that's how I ended up in law enforcement. So how many years, uh, I mean, overall of it, uh, military and law enforcement combined? Um, just just under 10. 10 years, okay. So, I mean, so you were growing up realizing that things weren't free, so you must have still had that uh, feeling during your career? Oh, absolutely. I, I just wanted to go in and... I wanted to, to see if I could, you know, my underlying principle was to go in and see if I could make a change. Ian. Mm, change it from the inside. Yeah, that's not uncommon. Right. And, and, it, was, and it wasn't so much a change per se. It was more to, to make sure everything was staying in line with what I was taught and what I was being, you know, told as a, as a young adult and even as a young teenager as to what this country's about. So what and, did you end up finding out? I found out that we we're not in the, we're not living in the country that we that we were told that we live in. Mm-hmm. And two, the reason why is because there's so many lazy and complacent individuals that won't stand up. No doubt. Absolutely. And, and my heart my heart started to just sink as I got more and more in depth and and then I decided, you know, I said let me go to law school and I had you had to drop out because it was all it was all a joke. Really? Uh, you know, Tell like, me more about that. What when you say it's all a joke? Well, first of, first of all, my first three years of law school, they didn't teach anything of law. It was all courtroom procedure mm-hmm. and following and how to follow and how to grease each other's palms. And, and I was like, this is what law's about. This is not what law's about. And so I decided to, 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 to I stop my, my, legal, my legal studies as to become an attorney, and I started to go as a paralegal. So I, so I was in law enforcement. I was also doing paralegal studies and actually becoming a paralegal and then um, interacting with the, the public within law enforcement, either, either in the corrections uh, department of corrections or within the sheriff's department where you deal with the, people, the, the public immediately. And I could not believe I'll, – I'll just give you an example here. I almost went to blows, and I'm talking, you know, a, a fist fight 
with a city police officer, because I was a county, a city police officer bringing in a person uh, under arrest into, into the, the institution because they, their driver's license was suspended on the computer. Mm. But the person that was being brought into, and they call them inmates, and I hate calling them that, Ian, but for, for lack of a better term, this inmate comes in with this officer, and they have, he, the, this person has the documentation from the state showing that, this, that, that the driver's license was reinstated. Hmm. And it was, it, it was suspended in error to begin with. But because it didn't catch up to the system, specifically the systems that are in the police units, right. cars, this, this, this officer still brings them into, into the jail. And I, when, I, when I confronted this officer with this, I said, look, this, you know, did you swear to uphold and protect the Constitution? And I, I, I know that's such a cliche today, right. but it's, it's, did you swear to uphold the law? That's, that's the bottom line here. Did you swear to uphold the law? Because that's what the Constitution is. And he's like, you tell me not to do my job. I need to, I need to make my quota. I said, oh, uh- well, I thought there was no quotas. Well, there are departmental averages, apparently, but uh... exactly. <laughs> and it, 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 Ian, it just killed me. And I, oh, and, geez. and I, I had talked to you before on, when I had called into the show, and, and I was the, the gentleman that's going to be running for county sheriff. Oh, okay. And it, I had to, I had to leave the law enforcement because of the people that they're attracting. I heard that, and we had a guy call uh, who's a former law enforcement trainer uh, who could not do that job anymore simply because he was so disgusted at the quality uh, the low quality of the recruits uh maybe saying that one in ten might have been a decent quality recruit and that the rest of them were either you know badge heavies people who wanted to get into it to uh wield power over other human beings and or you know people that were in it for other wrong reasons so he was really bummed out by it and ended up leaving that career yeah, and you and you had spoke of him when I had called in. Right, so you can see how the the uh, the bad drives out whatever good there was in this system. Uh, they they just get say seems like they get so fed up by it that they just say screw this, I'm going to leave. I'll I'll be a private detective or you know go into some other completely different uh, career. And and it's not so much that that we're we're being driven out. It's it it, it literally disgust disgusted me. Mm. You know, I was like, I was finding myself, ooh, well, wait a minute. I'm not happy with going into the into work. So, so I'm going ha- to have to find a different avenue to go. So you've had a lot of experience. I mean, law enforcement, military, legal training, and you decided to write this book, In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth. Tell me more about what your intentions were with the book. Okay. Um, and before I go into, I'm, I'm going to go right into that immediately, but I wanted to make this one comment about you, Ian. Um, even though there was other outsiding factors that inspired me to write this book, I want, to, I want, and this is why I'm so happy that you were, not that Mark wasn't going to do the interview, but you were because you, specifically you, when I found Free Talk Live in 2001, you were the individual who inspired me to write this. Oh, because you what were, did I do? Well, you, you sat there and said you were saying all these different things, and you were making these points, and I, and I was writing down the points that, that I hadn't heard for like you know, two years that I was listening to your radio station. That hadn't, so I decided to call in, and I called in. I said, look, what about these points? You know, man's home is his castle. 
you know, work harder to do better for yourself. And I, I started listing all these different lists of items because this is what inspired me to write this book. Your show, what you were doing, and I said, if he can do this, then I need to put at least what, what I know into a book. And just take one, one simple thing. Work harder to do better for yourself. How is that true? And this is what I was told constantly growing up. Paul, do better. If you work harder, you'll do better for yourself. That's not true anymore, Ian. The more you, the harder these people work, including myself, the more I was paying in taxes. Mm. And then sometimes being fined. You know, you drive down the road and a cop pulls you over. I can't tell you how many times a police officer pulled me over and didn't know that I was a law enforcement officer, and I wouldn't divulge it. I'd let them go to, just to see how far they would see how far they would go, and mm-hmm. then I would have to slam them. It, it's what's going on in our country, Ian. Well, the purpose of the book is to is to divulge that, is to bring to light these certain aspects for, of uh, for whatever reason, Ian. I don't know that are always overlooked. Like the other night, I called into uh, not the other night. This was a while ago. I called into your show. Because you were asking for the public, to, for somebody to call in and to divulge the contractual obligation of what makes us liable to pay taxes. Mm. Well, how many people do you know that know that because they voluntarily went down and got a Social Security number, that they're now liable to pay not only income taxes, but also employment taxes, which is Social Security, which is all a lie. Well, you know, I always question that because uh, most people didn't voluntarily choose to get a social security number. Their parents uh, signed them up for it. And even when you look at the um, look at the driver's license, for instance, which is certainly something that most people did choose to go and get, uh, they didn't choose it because they wanted to necessarily. You know, many of them chose it because they felt like they had to. So, uh, you know, are those legitimate contracts? In my mind, no, no way, shape, or form. Okay. Well, since we're talking uh, about contracts, let's talk about the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is to reveal these certain contracts that, again, are always overlooked. And in, the, in my book, I named the, these six. Now, there, there's, there could be more, like the driver's license, but you speak to anybody, uh, anyone for that matter, everyone knows that obtaining a driver's license is voluntary. So, but these Specific six that I list in my book, which I refer to as the big six, mm-hmm. are always overlooked. And I want to just—I'll just—I want to—I want to ramble them off real quick for you. Traffic tickets, tax returns, marriage licenses, selective service, social security, and birth certificates. Why are these six always overlooked? Meaning, we're the mass majority of people. Not everyone, but the mass majority of people believe that the signing requirements of these six documents are mandatory. Well, there are certainly plenty of people um, that have you know, tried the route of not signing a traffic ticket because uh, they, maybe they've heard about that. And then in, in some places, they'll just you know, force it on you anyway. Uh, in other places, they'll uh, put you in a cage for not signing it. And that's true. There's, there's been many people that I have had to calm down within the sheriff's department when they've come into the jail because they had had done just that. They didn't sign the the, the traffic ticket. Well, here's 
here's and let's we'll just speak of the traffic tickets on this one. The tr- the purpose of the book is to is to enlighten the reader as to the true nature of these six documents. And traffic tickets, take for example. So if you get pulled over for a a moving infraction, and the officer, first of all, the the majority of the American people do not understand that as soon as the stop is initiated, which is the the turning on the police lights, or a police officer on the side of the road, you know, if you're on foot and the police officer asks you to stop, Mm -hmm. a lot of people do not understand under the law you are under arrest. And if you continue, they can charge you with what? Let's say that the police officer comes, let's say I'm the officer that comes up behind you and you're driving the vehicle and I hit my lights and you don't stop. What can I charge you with? I would guess evading or something like that. That's right. Evading arrest. So why why would I be able to charge you with evading arrest if you hadn't been under arrest to begin with? Mm -hmm. So I was trying to initiate the stop. That means you're under arrest. Well, if the majority of the American people would know if they would, if they would just take the, the time to read this book, they will see that the true nature of these documents, they would not agree with. Now they agree with the, the concepts of these documents on the surface, but when they go underneath of the surface, they go, "Oh, wait a minute! You're telling me that every traffic ticket that I've gotten, I have a criminal record?" Yes, you do. You have committed a crime, and if you don't believe me, try getting a secret clearance. Because I've had, a, I've had, a, I've held a secret clearance, and they will put you through the ringer when they go. Oh, so you you claimed on your your application here that you would you were never you had never been placed under arrest or you had never been arrested. That's true. No, it's not. You had a traffic ticket back on such and such a date. Right, and actually, we've we've said that on the air before that any time you get a ticket that's considered an arrest, even if they don't put you in handcuffs and take you away. Well, that's right. Now that's where the purpose of the tra- the traffic ticket comes out. So, Ian, if you're the person that's in that car and I hand you over a citation, the traffic citation or traffic ticket, as, as most people commonly know or refer to, and you, and you refuse to sign it, well, let's go with the sign. You sign it, and then I give, tear off the copy. I tell you what, what it is. Now, here's, you should know this because you have been in jail. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have to sign a bond? I don't think so. You never had to sign a bond to be released? Um, you know, I, I, I know that there are bail papers. Um, I don't recall. I don't recall. <laughs> okay. So if, if you I try not re- to sign those things, basically. Uh, and I hear you, and yeah. I, I, under, I completely understand. A lot of people that get arrested and go into a county jail, and if they want to be released before their court date, they have to sign a bond. Hmm. Now, a bond could be released on your own recognizance. But bond could be released for you know a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, whatever the 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 magistrate, judge, or commissioner assigns that that amount to. Well, look at the bond requirements. You have it says here's your here's the date of, the, of your court. This is the date, that, the time that you need to show up. This is where it's going to be located, and you need to sign right here. How is that any different than a traffic ticket? So you're saying the traffic ticket is essentially the uh, the PR bond or whatever. That's right. The police officer, once the police officer uh, approaches the vehicle to hand you a, a citation to sign, that officer has already determined 
they're going to release you on on their on your own recognizance. Now there are uh, cases where they don't do that. In fact, uh, I was just in a car the other day when uh, Nemi, our Wednesday night co-host, uh, was pulled over on the way back from Concord, and uh, I was threatened with arrest for recording video, and I didn't stop. And turns out he didn't want to arrest me, I guess. Um, but in that whole conversation, I don't believe she had to sign anything. If frequently around here, they'll just hand people. Uh, tickets. So, you know, that's not always a requirement to necessarily sign these things. And beyond that, uh, you know, all it's one it's one thing to say that it's a, it's a PR bond or a contract of some sort. But on the other hand, if if people don't understand the terms of the contract, it's not a le- legitimate contract. So, I mean, ultimately, this is all backed up by their willingness to use force on people, right? Oh, and you couldn't be any more correct. But here here's the here's the uh, contradiction or. Uh, inconsistency that I pose to the American people in my book. Well, if you go through a traffic light and a police officer sees that you went through a red light and he pulls you over, he or she pulls you over, you have to, you're forced to sign the ticket. But if you go through a traffic light and you just squeak through, but the, the camera, there happened to be a, ca- a red light camera there, and it gets you, you don't sign anything. You, it, gets re- it gets sent to you in the mail. So if this is true, which it is, then we have a huge problem. And we see this all the time. You, you see, you, what, what was that event that just happened uh, in Keene? I believe it was in Keene where the gentleman got his equipment seized from him. Yeah, Derek J. Uh, yeah, it was Derek a few months J. back. So you, I saw the video. And if I was the sheriff of that department, I would arrest those police officers. Well, I they can could, tell you this this sheriff isn't going to do that. He banned us all uh, from the courthouse the other day. I, I, I know. I was listening to you. I was like, um, unbelievable. Yeah. And to see these police officers do this and get away with it, here's so here's the issue. If they can send you a ticket in the mail, a citation, and you're not required to sign it, now this is outside of you signing and voluntarily agreeing to the driver's license. Because if that's if the if the signing of the driver's license was the the prime signature, that's what was the the okaying of every document that was being transponded between you and the, uh, the officers. Then why would an individual need to sign a traffic ticket upon stopped with a live human being police officer? Mm-hmm. So so here's the issue. If I were to hand over that citation to you, Ian and you were to sign it, and you just did a scribbly line, not your normal signature, I, I, as an officer, would accept it because your hand touched the paper. I don't know. There's no way that I can know if this is your signature or not. So here's the question. What's the purpose of the signature then, Ian? I don't know. Fine question. It is a measurement of submission. Hmm. And if you don't sign it and submit to me, these officers will arrest you. I, well, on the other hand, wouldn't do that. Well, they certainly are all about submission in many, many different ways. And obedience is their game. Uh, even if it's just stand over there, do as I say, uh, they really seem to be into that. And, and it, you're, you, you guys couldn't cover it anymore. When I first came across Free Talk Live, it was like a breath of fresh air. I was like, wow, there, is, there are people out there that are like me. And I'm, so, on the in, I'm on the inside, Ian. 
So tell me, what about solutions? I mean, what are what are our listeners going to get from your book? Uh, you know, that uh, is is unique. What uh, what can you share with them briefly here? Because we're running short on time. That will tantalize them into picking this book up. Because it's sounding good to me so far. Um, what what a person will get with reading the book is a is a a bottom line sense of the truth and a good understanding of what has caused the decline of our liberty and what has also caused the decline of peace officers versus police and law enforcement officers today. They will understand the, I've written it in such a layman's terms so that, now there's times where I have to use certain words because that's the legalese that, they, that the, the governments have decided to use, but wherever I could, it's all in layman's terms so that you can sit there and read and go, oh, this is what is actually taking place. You know, I obviously haven't read the book, and I would like to. I've obviously but I've got a bunch of books I'd like to read. Um, but I, this sounds very interesting to me. And I'm thinking, would this be a good book to pass along to, like, the you know the law and order conservative type? I mean, are you, are you touting in your bio that, you know, you're a former cop, et cetera? Would this really, you know, go over well with that audience? Um, yeah, well, I have a lot of fellow um, officers that have ordered the book already, mm-hmm. um, and every one of them, uh, at least they tell me, that they love it. They like this is the way it needs to be written hmm. because I I wrote it for three audiences. I wrote it for somebody who is completely clueless but has an interest, and then I have somebody that that has an interest and has been studying but is, still doesn't have their way. They're still lost. And and two and three, the when the ones that actually know it, like the officers, they believe that they know everything to be true, but they, they're wrong. They need to sit down and read this because everything that you're saying is you're contradicting yourself. Wakeupforliberty.com. Is that where people can go to learn more and order the book? Yes, sir. And they can, they can order it on Amazon.com, too. Okay, so it is available through Amazon, and it's under the name Paul McConkie? It's under, under Paul McConkie. The name of the book is In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth. It is available now at uh, wakeupforliberty.com. What's the price point on the book, Paul? Right now it's down to fourteen thirty-six, I believe. Not too shabby, fourteen thirty-six. Uh, are you planning on coming up to New Hampshire any of these, uh, one of these days? That's the plan. Good, because uh, <laughs> I can tell you the sheriff's election here was horrible. There's the guy that's banning people from the uh, the courthouses, and then the other guy that ran against him was the uh, the dude that tortured Sam Dodson uh, during his arrest. So we we don't exactly have the best choices for uh, for sheriff around these parts. Well, well, let me ask you one last question before we go. Yeah. If if I don't like you as a neighbor, do I not have the right and liberty to disassociate myself, especially if you pose a danger to me? Sure, of course. Why is it that we don't have that same right? in liberty to disassociate ourselves from dangerous government employees? Good question. I think it's because they'll put us all in cages. At least that's the threat. And I, I really hope that, that the American people will at least read this and at least take into what, we, what we've talked about today and start opening their eyes and start looking for liberty. Why don't people want liberty? Well, I think there's a difference between wanting liberty and being willing to do what it takes to, to have it, right? I guess so, you know. It, it's just... It's sad. Uh, well, that's why we got to get the people that are willing to do what it takes together, and and hopefully 
hopefully this book will help change some minds uh, from inside the system as well. I, you know, if I get the chance, I'm going to grab a copy of this and offer it to uh, some of the police guys that uh, you know, I talk to around town. I, I look forward to uh, to seeing it. And again, that's uh, Paul McConkie, In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth. His website, wakeupforliberty.com. The book also available through Amazon. i got to run off to do the show, Paul. I really appreciate the conversation. It sounds like you really know your stuff, and uh, this is it sounds like an exciting book. I, Ian, I, I, I thank you enough. I, can't, I, I appreciate everything you've done. All right. Have a good night, Paul. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.